Hello, friends. You're now listening to the Lifestyle, Leisure, and Sports Show. You never knew was two of those things. I think we can all acknowledge that if this fails, you two will be fired and I will remain. <laughs> so, no pressure. Bo Bishop, a regional media icon. Winner of Emmys. Purveyor of the good life. Sir, you don't know that for a fact. I and just I'm said it on the radio. Also, two guys this company named Employee of the Month. What are you talking about? Paul Hogan is Hulk Hogan's brother. Uh-huh. Look sure. it up. Because it's Hulk sure. Hogan. That's his real name. One guy is from Australia. The other one is from Tampa. You mean he's from Hollywood, brother? <laughs> Not brothers. Chops. Yes, they are. This is Bishop and Friends. All right, let's do a live on a Thursday edition of the program. Bo and the boys with you for the next three. Paul Feinbaum dropping by at 1033. Doug LeMaurice at 1133. Ryan had a lot to say yesterday. We will, we will get to all of that. I mean, you're curious where your head coach stands on really all of these offseason issues, and there are many. Um, you're going to get a pretty good handle on it by the time we are done today. And we'll, we'll do a little, what did you say, clairvoyant day? What did you call it yesterday? Clear as day. Clear as day. Clear as day. Yeah, clear as day. So we'll get clear as day as the program uh, goes along. Um, we're going to start with with in in this way. A little little bit of TV broadcast news. So yesterday, um, and and yesterday afternoon, Greg Sankey was on Paul Feinbaum, and we'll have Paul on, and we'll talk about what that means for the Big Ten, and uh, he had some comments about about the Big Ten and the SEC and the partnership and where all of those things are going. Um, and yesterday afternoon, around that time, um, this was actually a little bit before. No, it was, late, it was later. It was in the evening uh, where we got news that uh, Nick Saban would be joining College Game Day. Um, Saban releasing a statement, ESPN and College Game Day have played such an important role in the growth of college football. I'm honored to have the opportunity to join their team. I'll do my best to offer additional insight and perspective to contribute to College Game Day, the ultimate Saturday tradition for college sports fans. ESPN wrote a glaring, uh, a glowing rather um, comment on him as well. Um, I didn't think he would do this. I didn't think he'd sign up for this much work. I didn't think he would sign up for those uh, those wake-up calls every Saturday from the end of August until, I mean, they run game day all the way through. Next year, game day is going to run. Well, how the hell will they do it? They'll have to do it for the playoff. They're going to run game day on Thursday nights? They'll do one, I would think, in? every day that there's a playoff game. At least every the week day. there's a playoff game, yeah. yeah New idea, game day channel. <laughs> they're not they're not going to do it on thir- they're not going to do it in the morning so i guess on those thursday f- in the 12 team playoff those will be they'll probably do one thursday and one friday leaving into the those those playoff yeah, maybe games do at least probably the way it's going to go an hour or two hour long program like is the pregame for those games and yeah, they have to label yeah. that as game day brand it that way yeah i i would think that you would have that and the other thing is is you're going to have to have more than just from geez from a logistical standpoint you're going to need more than one game day crew because those that first round, those first four games that are going to take place, give me the dates on those. Get the MIT kids to give me the dates on those. Um, those those are going to be spread out all over. Um, and so if you're going to do a game day on a, on a Thursday somewhere, then you're going to have to do a game day the next day on a Friday. So you may have to have two two separate teams of, of, of talent. Go ahead, Chops. So for the 2024 season, there is a Friday, December 20th in the first round. That is just one game. And then Saturday, December 21st is to be three games. So that one, they could easily do Saturday game day for the first round. Then is where it gets. So that's supposed to be December 20th and December 21st. Then it starts to get weird because of the holidays and the NFL dealing with that. In the quarterfinals, it is uh, Tuesday, December 31st, but obviously a holiday. You know, it's New Year's Eve, kind of a holiday for most people. And then so a the real quarter holiday. quarterfinals are 10 days after? Yeah, because they, they give a Christmas break. They don't want to play on Christmas. 
Jeez, so they got to they got to go in between the stupidest those. calendar I've ever well, seen. Well, and they also have to hit January first because okay. of the Rose Bowl and so, and the like. So, so then, January first, they have some games too. God, it's, it's terrible because it's Tuesday and when that's the worst lineup for New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. Tuesday and Wednesday. Yeah, that's it. Then that's the neither one works well into another no. weekend. It's no, uh, you're screwed. Then the semifinals are the terrible one. Thursday and Friday, January 9th and tenth. So I guess Thursday, you do one Thursday 9th, and Friday. Friday the tenth, and then of course they'll go Monday. Mm-hmm. Monday, January twentieth for the championship. So this is you're going to they're spreading this they're pull, they're stringing this thing along for a month is what they're doing because yeah. you're starting December twentieth you're going to end on the twentieth of January um, I I'm surprised he signed up for it it's going to be a lot of work um, look you don't want to do nothing for sure but like that's this is going to be a heavy load that's a three hour show and and it's going to it's starting to get a little bit NFL today ish with the amount of humanity on it, because they talked about still having McAfee and Desmond and Corso and Herbie and and Saban. That's six people need a bigger set. And all of a sudden, nobody can say anything. It's like the the NFL Today ones where everyone gets like a 12-second answer to a question and it's on to the next guy. Like, that's basically what you're going to get now. Now, they have three hours versus one, but uh, it's it's a lot of people up there. The other thing to note on this is, um, obviously... I'm sure he will be great at this. I'm sure he'll have fun with this. I'm sure his personality and all of the things that made him a win on the recruiting trail are all going to be a part of that. But I saw in the release that he's going to be at SEC Media Days. Like, he can't stand SEC Media Days. And And now he's going to be at it? Like, talking about it? Will he, like, play play into, like, joking of the joking nature of the show at all? Like, will he stand in and ask a question of a coach? At SEC Media Days, will like will he do anything like that? What is it going to be like when Pat know. McAfee is doing any sort of his shtick? Is Nick Saban going to be sitting at the table for some of that stuff? What's that going to look yeah, like? Is he'd he have to be? Like, well, Saban's he's been on, on with, McAfee. with McAfee during yeah. yeah during the football season. You saw Saban every week, so I, I I think if anything, he's a fan of what McAfee does and like McAfee's brand of entertainment. Like I think we're going to see Saban completely free and a new kind of element for him because he doesn't have to field any of these questions. He can just talk like he loves, he loves talking football. Like that we know is true. Like we've even seen him at coaches shows, ask callers about what's wrong with, with Alabama (laughs) with a smile on his face. Yeah. Does he hate answering questions about his team that, because he's, he, he, he's got, there's two Nick Sabans, right? There's the college coach, Nick Saban, that doesn't want ever give an answer about anything because he doesn't yeah. want other coaches to sure. have any ammunition or doesn't want his team to get complacent. And then there's Nick Saban that just likes talking college football. And he gets to do that, and he's probably thinking, they're going to pay me? Okay. And that's a yeah. good point because he's not somebody who's looking for another job, like using this for a no. year or two to be out of coaching and go coach again. So, he, yeah, he probably will be more open. That's a good point. Yeah, and I, I just think if a guy who recruited that well, there's got to be a lot more there than we've seen. And the only thing I could, that came to my mind when I saw this from an entertainment standpoint is um, ESPN does – remember Peyton's Places that they that dropped? I think mm-hmm. it dropped even during the pandemic where he would do like the – around the whatever, 70, 75th anniversary of the NFL or whatever, and he would do um, – he he would he did it. Those were very good. And then they did one Eli's Places, and he they're not as good because uh, Eli, <laughs> just, Eli's just not, like Yeah, just like them. They're just not. All just like in real life. Like they're just not. Is good. Like he just doesn't have the comedic timing uh, that Peyton has, and so 
Um, but he did get on a, he did get pulled be on a tube behind Saban's boat and Saban did take great pleasure in dumping Eli over and over and over again in the water. So maybe you'll see a little bit of that. Um, it was an interesting day yesterday in, in for another college game day analyst, Kirk Herbstreet. This was interesting. So Dominic Rayola, Dylan Rayola's dad was on a signing day show yesterday for rivals and talked about his son eventually flipping to Nebraska. And one of the things that he mentioned was that when it became possible that Dylan would have an interest in going to Nebraska, and for the for those who want to catch up, this was a kid who started out committed here, then committed to Georgia, went and played high school football in Georgia. I think he played for four different high schools, a couple in Arizona, then one played for Buford, Georgia last year to be near the University of Georgia, and then at the last minute goes to Nebraska. So his dad is on Rivals Radio yesterday, and he was a Nebraska legend and, and played in the NFL, and um, he's talking about Dylan flipping to Nebraska and what it means. And he actually mentioned that Kirk Herbstreet – do you have it, Reese? We'll say, bring up one guy's name. His name's Kirk Herbstreet. When he saw he saw the smoke uh, about Dylan entertaining Nebraska, he was like, called me. He said, dude, is this true? He got to do it. You know, he got to do it. He, he His affinity for Nebraska, uh, for a guy like that, to tell me and to, you know, get behind me. Like I knew, I knew he needed to do it, but I wasn't going to sit here and say, you need to go change that place or be a part of the change at that place. Um, so when Kirk told me that, you know, I was like, man, you know, this is, I've had people reach out, other coaches reach out, reach out to me and say, look, the, the place is special. Coach rules a special leader. I would just say this college games day is not going to be too popular in Athens. So you'd bring Saban in there and you're going to bring Herbie. There's a, um, it doesn't feel right. <laughs> it's not legal. It's not illegal. It's not against the rules. Um, I'm sure he knows Dominic through various circles and, and all of those things. Um, and, but do you, would you want, I guess the equivalent would be like when Dick Vitale was at his apex and talking about the Dukies all the time, but would like he influence a kid going to Duke? or influence a parent going to Duke. Um, it's a slippery slope, I think. Again, I, there's nothing illegal here at all. Knowing Herbie a little, my hunch is he just wants to see Nebraska good again. Yeah, I mean, he's, that's that's kind of what he always wants. But um, and then he obviously knows the connections, and and he would have have an apples to apples sort of conversation in the sense that he played here, his dad played here. There's something special about all that. Um, but this, it's a different. We haven't seen this before. At least we haven't heard of it publicly. Obviously, the Ohio State quarterback situation is in a very different place than when they were pursuing and even had Dylan Rayola committed. But I don't think that's going to help that uh, perception from Ohio State fans that Kirk Herbstreet never stumps for the Buckeyes, which I don't think is true. I think he <laughs> does not, a fine no. job of, of towing that line and showing his colors sometimes and being objective when he wants to be as well. But I don't think that's going to help this quote being out there of like, wait, he's encouraging him to go to a Big Ten rival? Why would he do that? But it, it, he probably just because of his age. Yeah. Just has that affinity for Nebraska. He's probably met Matt Rule a number of times in, in, in you know, with what he's been doing around college football. And was Matt Rule really a coach when he took over for Prime in the NFL? Did he ever have a Carolina game and maybe talk to him there again? Either way, it, yeah. it, it, it kind of makes sense, but it's also like, I, if I want to put on, you know, while we're talking, oh, we're going to get an SEC type college game day with a lot of that flavor down there and, you know, the partnership there. Is this Kirk Herbstreet trying to swing? Hey, maybe I can get something going in the Big Ten and, and push it that way. <laughs> I had heard or, and seen a lot of Georgia fans say, whoa, don't need him anyway. So can yeah. those same Georgia fans really be mad at Kirk Herbstreet if they didn't need him in the first place? And where's the harm? Well, uh, fanatic fan, same. 
So yeah, they can for sure. Um, no, I, I, that was a common refrain from, from the folks down in Georgia was, and, and by the way, that was some of the some, same stuff we heard here that I kind of heard here behind the scenes around about Dylan was like a little bit more trouble than it's worth, you know, like not necessarily as, as my kids say him, all of the, and not really, if you, whatever your talent level is, remember the pain in the neck talent barometer. That's the thing that you're, you're trying to weigh out. And maybe the pain in the neck with him is slightly greater or even just slightly under the talent. Um, but it, Herbie's got, it's got a lot of attention last 24 hours with him stumping for Nebraska. I, again, nothing illegal with it. It's, it's just, and I don't know what his relationship is with Rayola. My hunch is there's, I will say this. I think there's no chance Kirk wanted Dominic Rayola to tell that story. None. No. And I'm assuming they know each other personally. So like, that's yes. where it's like, it, it's funky with that. It's like, well, he can text his friend if he knows somebody sure. and just says, Hey, what do you think about this? But it does remind me, remember Ohio state had to stop recruiting. I believe it was Micah Parsons for a period yeah. of time because game day. they showed him to the game day set and said, Hey, here's Kirk Herb street. He used to mm-hmm. play here and stuff. And that was a, you know, a benefit that a recruit is not supposed to have on the recruiting trail. Yes. I, I remember that very well, but if you know, Kirk Herb <laughs> street, your dad can just text him. <laughs> That's true. Then that then that's all fine. Um, I think Ohio State is far better off in the quarterback position, so I don't think it applies to them at all. Um, you'll hear Ryan Day in the next uh, in the next twenty minutes or so. We will on a, on a bunch of things, myriad things: the quarterback issue, uh, the staff issue, what to do with Bill O'Brien, how about not calling plays, what's going to happen with the twelfth assistant. There's a million questions around this program. Ryan Day answered all of them. Um, we'll do a little clear as day coming up next. We're off and running on a Thursday. Bishop and friends right here on the fan. We're known for three things. Games, conversation, and common man yelling about things only he cares about. The Fan, Ohio's sports destiny. With friends like these, who needs former college football players? This is Bishop and Friends. And gear up with the Tipico Sportsbook to get in on the betting action, the playoff football, the big game, hoops, hockey, golf, so much more. Waste management this weekend. That's always a lot of fun uh, to throw a few down on. Take advantage of your massive odds boost on your favorite teams and players for the biggest payouts. Try the new Flex Parlay and cash in your bets. Even if you miss a leg or two, claim your new sign-up bonus now and get $100 in bonus bets when you bet $25. Sign up now and enter the pro, the Fan 100. Get a $100 bonus. Double down and download the Tipico Sportsbook app today must be 21 or old and physically located in Ohio. Terms and conditions do apply on that. Gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER for more. Um, Ryan Day spoke for like an hour on National. This is State of the State. And then, yeah. the and then us. So he spoke. He had a media day, answered every question, and then he had his show, which which I enjoyed listening to after after we were done yesterday, and um and answered all the questions from uh from Paul and Jim, and so you you got everything. Now this is the first time that he has spoken to the Ohio State beat since after the Cotton Bowl, and just a wee few things have changed between now and then. Um, I don't it's even a different team. It's an entirely different <laughs> roster. I mean. So but how also would you, a very similar roster than we were expecting at the same time. It's somehow yes. both different and the same. All right. So let's do how would in terms of the offseason, if you were to do Buckeye football, Mount Rushmore, things that have changed. So you got four things that have changed the most. Um this one's Will Howard. Has to be the quarterback in my what's opinion. What's bigger? What like what surprised you more? Going out and getting Will Howard or just Kyle McCord entering the transfer portal? Guess that was before Chicken the game, the technically. Egg, is that yeah. Because if Kyle McCord doesn't enter the transfer portal, I don't think they go out and get Will Howard. But I think they do have that idea that they are opening up the quarterback competition again, which actually is boy, that's a that which I would think would be a, a detrimental thing, most likely. 
that's about a that's an impossible one to ask because if McCord doesn't go in the portal, he plays and starts in the Cotton Bowl. You probably win the Cotton Bowl. You probably win the Cotton Bowl. I mean, I, I've said many times, like I, I think the best thing that happened to Ohio State's twenty twenty four roster was losing to Michigan and then Michigan winning the national championship because it was like, well, we can't have that. We can't have that. So I think that that was the catalyst for all of this. So if you just, I mean, let's just take this post Cotton Bowl. Mount Rushmore. And I agree with you, Reese. I do think it's Will Howard. I think that's the, because that's, that was the first thing. It was like, because as much as we love Julian Salen, uh, Sayan and, and Aaron Nolan, um, and, and whatever those guys can be down the road, all of the rest of the, the expectations, the roster, all of it, it all feels very different if it's Sayan, Nolan, uh, Devin Brown and Lincoln Keenholz. Like that, you needed a pro. So I think that, I agree with you. I think if you're doing like that's the Mount Rushmore of deci- that's the the George Washington on the Mount Rushmore of the decisions. That's the first one. Is that's the first thing that ha- that had to change. I, I don't have a problem with that being being there. I have that. I have no problem with that being number one. Um, I, I I think the Abraham Lincoln on this, if you will, is probably the offensive coordinator decision. I'm between that play and Caleb calling. Downs for two and three. Yeah, Caleb Downs is going on. I mean, it's just a question of which one is he. Um, you know, but like, I think for, to me, I mean, this is a philosophical shift. This is hiring, whether it's Bill O'Brien or if he goes to take the Boston college job and they're able to get Chip Kelly in here, this is hiring a former NFL college head coach and saying, you're here, you go, you're here are the keys to the football Ferrari. You call the plays. And that's an incredible shift for Ryan day. So to me, that's, that's the Lincoln on this is play calling. Yeah, I think and that, they, and that and that higher. I think that shows that yeah, Ryan Day was something that was talked about a lot last year as uh, Kevin Kevin Wilson left and you promoted Brian Hartline up to offensive coordinator was oh is Day going to make a shift here? But I I think there were two factors. One, I don't think he was quite ready to do it, and two, he you know Brian Hartline was coming in his first time being an offensive coordinator. Does he even know how to call plays? Like what is the acumen for that? So he was he was sheepish about it last year and eventually just took you know held on to him and held on to the play calling. Duties and then this year went the way it went, and it was for multiple reasons, possibly, but it was the worst performing offense in the Ryan Day era as the head coach. Here. Yeah, 30 Adam. points per game. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And so he he says, no, something has to change. I'm just not here. And he alluded to that yesterday as well. Yeah. Let's okay, let's take a pause. So we've got Howard on our Mount Rushmore of, of things that have happened. So Will Howard is George Washington. The play calling is Abraham Lincoln. So those are, and we'll, we still have two others. Do you guys know the others without looking them up? Uh, the two Ted, others. Isn't Roosevelt up there? Teddy. Yep. Cause he's he, national parks and, so. uh, Je- Jefferson. Yep. Yep. So I'm going to go big stick guy is, and I'm going to group this all together. Hashtag reload the clip. That's what every defender put on yeah. their social media announcement. Yeah. Like yeah. that's big stick is everybody's saying I'm back defensively for this but team. We're going to sign, we're going to sign Thomas Jefferson because, and the reason he's on there is Louisiana purchase. Mm-hmm. Pretty good deal. Land deal. 15 nice million bucks. <laughs> got a lot of land. That's a nice baby. deal. It's a lot of land for fifteen million. So you got so you got Jefferson, you got Theodore Roosevelt. So we'll assign those two spots. But I think Howard and then the play calling are the Washington Lincoln of the operation, and you can't have Mount Rushmore without those two. Um, here is Ryan Day on his decision to give up play calling. Well, I haven't done it yet, um, so we'll see. But but I I know that 
that that is an ideal situation moving forward. I know that it has to happen. Um, there's so much that's going on right now in college football. Uh, do I want to? No, I don't. I love the football part of it. I love calling plays. I love being in there. But you know, I'm I'm getting pulled out, and I'm just not, you know, on a on a Wednesday night, you know, thinking about what to call on, you know, third and four on the 21 yard line, you know, in the third quarter of a game. Like those are all the things you rehearse in your mind. And it takes a lot of work. And I know that my energy and time and all that stuff needs to be in other areas, especially with everything going on right now across the board, just with the team and the portal and NIL and just all those types of things. So I know that's the right thing to do, but now making sure the right person's in place was critical when we hired Bill. And to that end, um, and, and I do think that the, so he was then asked about Bill, and I, we all know that this is kind of up in the air right now because Bill is one of two finalists for the Boston College job reportedly. And Theoretically, that would be a dream job for him to be to stay in the Boston area and coach there. So if he's offered that job, I do believe he'll take it. So you're going to hear Ryan Day talk about Bill O'Brien. But if Bill O'Brien does leave, then it's my understanding and my belief, at least, and hope that they have ducks in a row that Chip Kelly could come in here or somebody of that ilk. So now you're talking about whoever he, he's talking about Bill here, but it would apply to both situations. So here's Ryan Day on that. As we know at Ohio State, you know, we're chasing that, you know, one or two percent, right? We're, we're we're chasing that, you know, last couple drives of a game or whatever that is. And um, I felt like in that particular situation, um, for me to really be able to, um, you know, hand over, you know, a lot of the duties that that I was doing. You know, you really was looking for somebody who had um, great background in the NFL, um, you know, the SEC. He was a former head coach. He had been a head coach in in the league. Um, And the experience um, of developing quarterbacks was there. So I just, and then the the, the fit culturally uh, was the right fit. I guess Chip Kelly technically doesn't have SEC on his resume, but everything else you're right does apply to both of those people. (laughs) Everything else transfers well. So I I think that was one of the monumental decisions of this offseason. I think it was one of the most important and it's not just the idea. Uh, and you heard Ryan there talk about lamenting the fact of not being the guy dialing up the next play. That's all he's known. That's why he got the job. Yeah. And because it makes play calling and design and all of it. But the the job's different now than it was then. Very, very different. His explanation makes a ton of sense because now Bill O'Brien, or if he believes whoever ends up being an offensive coordinator for Ohio State, can sit there and think about what to do mm-hmm. on third and seven or third and four from the the twenty one yard line in the third quarter, as as he said. And instead, because Ryan Day, as he's gone through this and with the changes, especially now. Anything happens on your team, you're the first person that gets called because you're the head coach. If anything happens with recruiting, you might be the second person that might get to Pantone and then to you. But like that stuff can just come up at any given time. And I would see how he's probably seen over the years that that has pulled away from his ability to focus 100% on game planning week in and week out during the season. It was just really interesting for me, at least, because, you know, we've been talking about this for damn near over a year. Mm -hmm. And at the Cotton Bowl, they asked Eli Drinkwitz. Mm-hmm. about the same exact thing yeah. and he talked about having to put his ego aside for all of this and i don't say i don't think he meant ego as a bad thing and i certainly don't mean ego as a bad thing but you're the wizard of this operation and for you to say no i, I need to focus on bigger picture and not just this one thing that i absolutely love doing that's a lot i mean that's and something I, i've come around about it 
that none of yeah, us. I was it, adamant, How like, long did it take us to be like, are you sure you want to do that? To be I like, yeah, what, you probably need to do that. I think for me, it came from just the standpoint of like, when you start thinking about the calendar and just the amount of time in a the day, there's just no way. There's no way you can manage it. And we talked this year about how Ohio State got offensively with play calling, got very specific in terms of things they would do. And then, of course, things they would not do or unwilling to do. And sometimes if you're being pulled in a billion directions, you're not even made aware of those things. And if those so, changes aren't made in you know sooner rather than later, you're talking about possibility of four games in a wild December slash January that a coach oh, would have right. to coordinate and also be the head coach. It doesn't seem tenable. No, 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 it does not. Um, we'll, we'll assign the other two spots on the Mount Rushmore. Uh, roster retention is going to be a very big part of that. Ryan Day on his quarterbacks, uh, how he's going to handle that. What's it like going forward? His thoughts on Will Howard. That's coming up next. Bishop and Friends right here on the fan. When that alarm clock goes off, morning juice comes on. The perfect way to dominate your day or just lay around the house. Morning juice. Weekdays at six. The fan. What's up? What's up, man? What's up, all right, here's what's up on a Thursday edition of the program. Ryan Day speaking at length yesterday. Uh, we were assigning the Mount Rushmore. We, we can all agree, Will Howard, I think that's the right call as the Washington on the list. Uh, we got play calling as the Lincoln on the list. Feel pretty strongly about that. Um, is the, is the, it, I suppose Thomas Jefferson's most important because he bought the land. So let's go Teddy fourth, although Teddy's my favorite president of all time. So, but, but we'll go, we'll go Jefferson third on this. Third most important thing that happened this offseason. We're going to hear from uh, Coach Day on some quarterbacks in a second. Where, what are your guys' votes on that? Go ahead, Reese. I was going to say the uh, entire defense back. So defense. All right. That's that's a nominee. Chops, what's your nominee for, for the third? Uh, it's very similar, but I think, it, as I thought about it more, draft-eligible players deciding to come back instead of going to the draft. Like, that, you know, just so many of them. And then you get into some real top-line guys as the, the, the weeks went on and finally culminating with that, that weekend of JT Tui, Molo, Travion Henderson, and Emeka. Is that more important? Because I think the last two are between, and we can meld those two together, that and then Saban retiring. Oh, just going out that way and what they were able to do with that. Then you combine Downs, multiple things. Yeah. McLaughlin, Saban's saying, Jefferson, because then you acquire, right? I like that. Yeah. And then I'm going to go. Teddy is the defense coming back to the points that Chops and I made because you have the big stick back for and, your team. Well, the other year. thing is, is and he there, created the national park. So then there is the maintaining of the land that was acquired by Jefferson. So you maintain the roster that you had. So that actually makes some sense. And the speak softly is just all the guys saying we've got unfinished business and then they're going to use their big stick yes. <laughs> during the season. All right. So I think we've done it. I, I'm, I'm very comfortable with that list. Um, Ryan Day's got five quarterbacks, man. So he was asked directly, how the hell are you going to manage that, coach? Here's, uh, here's his answer to that. It's good. I think it's healthy. And, you know, we say this all the time in recruiting. If you don't want to compete, Ohio State's probably not the right place for you. And it makes everybody in that better, in that room better. But it's not just there, it's at every position. And um, I think they're all embracing it. And he's embracing the idea of just having that many good players. The idea is get as many good four and five star level players into the building and we'll figure it all out at the, at, at the point once we get and we're actually setting lineups for the season. It all makes sense now. Because it's February eighth, um, but they're going to start spring practice here. And at the end, what at the beginning of March, they start spring practice. Um, once that happens, he's got to manage reps. Um, and he was asked directly about the management of reps, and here's what he had to say about that. 
you got to try to get as many reps as we possibly can of team reps, seven on seven reps, and um, you know we, we need to get the guys as many reps as they can. It's not just at quarterback; it's at other positions. But um, you know that means there'll be a lot of reps out there for the guys. But um, you know we're going to be smart this spring in terms of there's certain guys that have played a bunch of football. And those guys are in a different situation than you know, guys who just came in in January. And then you have guys that are in the middle there who have played some football but really need this spring to grow and build. And so we'll identify that as the spring goes on to see who needs what reps. But when you have you know the quarterback room that we have, we're going to need a bunch of team reps to make sure we're developing these guys that are learning the offense. And uh, you know, f- for for Devin, he probably has the most experience. But Lincoln, you know, really doesn't have a ton. He didn't go, hasn't gone through a spring yet. Will's brand new to the offense uh Aaron and Julian are, are in the same boat so we need to get these guys as many reps as we possibly can so um there'll be some long practices it's pretty wild to think Devin Brown's the only one who was here last spring because yeah. no, right. Lincoln actually finished his high school stuff and something I, I don't know if he specifically said it there if it was in another one but it stuck out to me was he was talking about the reps and he's saying it's not a percentage for each quarterback it's identifying how many reps each quarterback needs and we will do our best to divvy those out and yeah. make sure that they get those reps. He even said, and this one is a direct quote, so there'll be some long practices. Um, mm-hmm. And maybe that means that the younger guys actually get more reps in spring because I think also spring and fall camp are different things that you're managing. He said with Paul and uh, Jim yesterday that um, in spring it's about, he relayed a story an old coach told him, which was in spring it's about developing the individual and in, in fall camp, it's about developing the team. Um, there is some truth to that that needs to happen, but it's a balancing act, right? Like, it's not only just getting guys reps. It's also the notion of, I've got to make sure that they know that they're wanted. Yeah. That's the other part of it. It's not just, I've got to develop these guys for the long term. Like, Julian and Aaron and, and Lincoln and, and Devin or however this is going to shake out. Like, you've got to show that you're, you have to prove to them that they feel wanted here. Also, and not to be impolite because these are college students, but maybe kind of show who's not. Well, that's it. And the actions will speak louder than the words. Mm-hmm. You can go to a press conference. You can say, we're going to, we love all five. And I mean, remember they loved their quarterback situation coming out of the season. They loved it. Well, not so much as it turns out. <laughs> not enough. Look, you're as loyal as your options. Their options got better. And so they improved the room dramatically. Um, I do think as we circle back on the Mount Rushmore analogy, it does come back to Will Howard. That's the most important key. Everything else falls into place, but you needed to have a pro be the trigger man of this operation. And I believe, and I'm sure many of you out there believe this as well, that this team will go wherever Will Howard takes them. Um, now, this is clear as day. We'll translate this, but here's Ryan Day on Will. Will came here to play football, you know, so... You know, I hope that's his mentality, you know, and I hope all the guys have that mentality. So, um, you know, he's going to learn the office and get going, but he's done a great job so far with the feedback. A big part of um, the quarterback play here is is what goes on in that, that, that weight room with Coach Mick. You know, the leadership and, you know, the way that, you know, guys work. You have to build credibility up amongst your teammates, and um, and that's a big part of it. You know, we talk to quarterbacks about this all the time. Talk to you know about you know to CJ when when he first went to the NFL. It's like you have to endear yourself into that building, and you have to earn the respect of the guys in the building. And I think you know Will's doing that. That's the tricky part, right? Because Devin's been here, mm-hmm. um, and he and seems to has the relationship people the right way. Yeah, people seem yeah, to love Devin like Brown. Him. Yeah, yeah. So how do you how do you win that over? I mean, I think as a guy who is won a Big Twelve and, and those things, you're you're certainly aware of that, but you 
you have to you have to go do it. And all reporting is that he is. He was really impressive in his availability last week. Um, he's the starting quarterback at Ohio State. If he's not, then something either really bad has happened in terms of his transition to here, or somebody young is just forced their way onto the field. Because like, I don't see a scenario where it would be Lincoln or Devin. I don't see anything that, from what we've seen, that they could force their way onto the field. Um, and then if the other two, one of the other two did, then that would be the type of talent that comes around once a decade where you could unseat all of those people ahead of you. You talk about Will Howard being impressive in his availability, also his appearance on the podcast. We've played sound Mm -hmm. from both of those. He apparently left a very good impression on that Kansas State beat reporter that we had on a few weeks ago who seemed to, to really like him. And it goes back to something you've reiterated a lot and we've said on the show a ton. He's a pro. You can hear that maturity and that he's he's ready for this. So this isn't a young kid who just had a, a good freshman year and transferred up to, to a better school. This is a guy who has been around for a long time. So I think he's going to be able to navigate that. But I don't know him personally, so I don't know for sure. But what I've seen and what I've heard seems like a guy who's going to be fine assimilating into a new culture amongst a football team. And if Devin Brown really is Mr. Burn the Boats, he's going to be a hell of a lot better of a quarterback coming out of spring, regardless of who wins the job. And that's only going to benefit Ohio State. Yeah. Because you're going to have not just a serviceable backup quarterback, but you're going to have what you saw in the Cotton Bowl never happen again. And with your starter and your backup. Well, that also, the ill-preparedness of the position was stunning. Stunning. Not just the play, but just it was as if you could not attempt a forward pass. That and I think everything here, we're talking that's why part of that problem's in Utah. I think everything we're talking about also ties in with don't be worried in the spring window when guys jump into the portal. That's actually a function of what they're doing, not a buck. Yes. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, some interesting news coming out of Northeast Ohio on uh, some of the Browns' plans. We will get to that. And is Vegas the new capital of the sports world? That's coming up as well. Bishop and Friends right here on The Fan. The sound of Paul Keels calling a Buckeye game is erotic. Oh, yes. Your home of the Buckeyes, The Fan, Ohio sports destination. Keep your friends close and your producers closer. You're listening to Bishop and Friends. All right, Reese, you've got uh, you've got some news. We've, it's from a veritable. <laughs> Is it? I don't know. Why not? It's on so, social. Does it have a blue check mark? No. That doesn't. I don't that even know what that mean. mean. You can buy one for a price of a cup of coffee well, now. And it's weird because not everybody who d- like needs one does have one. So <laughs> there are people right. who are important and are verified, right. but they're not technically. I mean, it honestly boils down to: can you buy something off the internet? Okay, you are eligible for a blue check. There you go. Yeah. So, All right, so what do you have? This, this is, thing uh, called NEO, NEO Trans Blog. It's trans. <laughs> my guess is it's transportation blog. I hope so. I don't know. Otherwise, it'd be hell of a sourcing. They have reported that okay. the Browns ownership group is in the process of buying 176 acres okay. near Cleveland's airport. So it's in the Brook Park uh, area of okay. town. This isn't too far from Berea where their facilities mm-hmm. are. But 100, 176 acres would make you think new stadium site? Yeah. So, look, they, they need one. Uh, the one that they built was rushed. Um, I think any time that you can build a stadium and have only really two viable entrances, that's a win, <laughs> right? <laughs> and so that's what they did. Like it's just a the thing's a mess, and um, it's got cool vistas in the sense that it's on the lake, in the sense that the state the downtown is behind, and so that's kind of cool. And then it turns but, to October, <laughs> but then it sucks from a weather standpoint, and you're now. 
uh, beholden to whatever comes off of that lake. And as you've seen with very a lot of seasons up there, what comes off the lake is bad and brutal. Um, and so the other thing that's going on up there is there is a fight between the city um, and um, the, the the Haslam group of um, Haslam Sports Group of who's going to to pay for this. And I, I think the Haslam Sports Group is very open to paying for a percentage of this, but I think they want a public-private split on the build. And that is something that probably isn't going to get done in the city of Cleveland, but could get done with the help of the state of Ohio. So this is, I'll just read directly from the report because this is uh, my bad here. According to three sources who spoke to the breaking news real estate blog, NEO Trans, which is Northeast Ohio Transformation, not transportation, on the condition of anonymity, the Haslam Sports Group has a contract to buy a 176-acre parcel that's nine miles southwest of downtown Cleveland, about 1,000 feet from Cleveland Hopkins International Airport, located on the other side of Ohio Route 237. Thousand feet seems pretty close to an airport. <laughs> well, distance. it's right. I know where it's right across the. It's right across the road from the airport. So for people from Northeast Ohio, if you where the airport is, there's also the IX Center is there, and then uh, like like where the NASA where they used to build like the NASA stuff. If is you there, take the Ferris do, wheel there to the top, you can see it. Is it? They do have a Ferris wheel. So what where it would be would be like right across the the start of that land would be right across. I believe there's like an old Ford plant that was there. In that area, and it's also right off of like seventy one north, like as you're starting to go into downtown. I, I mean, I don't know the area, you know, that you're talking about, yeah. like you know, from my own personal experience. But like, isn't Sunday a pretty popular like travel day for people to go in and out of airports? And well, aren't most NFL games on Sunday? Correct me if I'm wrong. Yes, <laughs> uh, all of those things are true. Um, the proximity to the training facility would be v- really nice yeah. for, for them. And how new um, is that building? That's it, it's obviously not something where they're building uh, a new building, right? Well, the, there's other thing that they're doing up there in terms of they bought up a bunch of land around the training facility, and they're going to build like a medical center and all of that stuff there. I don't, I don't think that this is none of the none of these are in desirable parts of town. But that's what NFL teams do now. They they make it a desirable part of town. Yeah, we'll make I, our own little city around the stadium, and we'll own is, all of it. This will be a tougher sell for that than some of the other things that that have been bandied about in terms of where they could go. Um, but I'm guessing the land was very easily acquired, and and you know, 176 acres is a ton of land. So that stadium and all of those things. And if they're going to do it, my hunch is that they would put a roof on it because you have got to find more uses for that thing than, than it being, you know, it's 10 times a year. So they would put, I'm sure they'd put a roof on it as a, as a Browns fan, Reese, would you miss like it not being downtown? No, okay. no I, I don't wouldn't. Care. And I was, if they put a roof on it, I mean, you don't ever want something falling from the sky, like a door, or like right, an engine from a plane. From a plane. Right. So you would hear. That's another thing. Honestly, it feels like if the, if that is where they go, they would have to go dome because otherwise, planes are going to fly over it all day. Right, and the last thing you want is like a takeoff every Sunday, like, like the like, sound of a takeoff to cover. It's third down. <laughs> they got to hear that. Yeah, yeah. So I think that that would if that is where they go. Now it also could just be a ploy to get downtown in the city to actually what a billionaire thing to do. Also, like we buy a bunch of land, just bought thirty two million dollars worth of land, and we'll use it. Damn it! Yeah, it would cripple. It would. It would absolutely uh, the economic impact on their the actual city and the downtown would be astronomical. It wouldn't be as much as like 
the Cavaliers or the Guardians because those are 82 dates or 41 dates a year for basketball and, and 82 dates a year for baseball versus 10 for football. But like, I mean, you guys have both been to games up there. Yeah. A, a Sunday downtown is a thing, man. But you talked about the city and maybe not wanting to give whatever breaks it would be to build a new stadium. And I don't know, maybe that just offsets the cost enough for them that the idea of like, yeah. oh, well, we're not contributing $250 million to build a stadium and giving them a bunch of tax incentives to house a stadium on very profitable land as well. So I, there's, I mean, there's really intricate math with all of it, but you're right from like a business on the ground standpoint, those people lose the worst in this. I'm still a fan personally, and I know it's not realistic, but Brown's Island, just go build an <laughs> Island in the middle of Lake Erie and it's, the Browns not they, that deep. There are no laws on Brown's. Island. <laughs> just everybody come on out. Just, just like saw it off and just take it out there. And I, I don't yeah. even want it to be a stationary piece of land. I want it to be a floating. floating island, so it's somewhere in the lake every Sunday. Every Sunday, it's there. Yeah, that's that's not a bad idea. If if they if that does happen and they move them out of down, downtown, I mean, it took us. We're finally getting to a place around here where we use our waterfront. But when I first moved here in 07, like river comes right through downtown. It's like there's nothing. It's like what are we doing? Like, this is kind of cool. Like, we got a river. Like, why are we not using the river? And they've spent the last decade plus, like, finally finding ways. And I saw the report yesterday of uh, Porty retweeted about putting a concert hall, like, right next to Kosai. So it's coming. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, so now you've got things, right? You've got stadiums. You've got you've got some things in that vicinity, and it's it's it invigorates the area. Um, if they lose that stadium down there, they're going to have a big piece of land that – I mean, to be fair, their other big piece of land, they have an airport that gets six flights a day. Hear me so. out. Hip hop Hall of Fame. I like it. <laughs> Just build another there one. We'll do that. Um, it is a it is a Thursday. We have your emails. A lot of them to get to. We will get into that coming up next. Bishop and friends, right here on the fan. The only radio show Ryan Day listens to when we're holding him hostage, making him listen to a radio show, The Buckeye Show, weeknights at six. The fan. Not interested in Iowa football? Too bad. Shops will tell you about it anyway. This is Bishop and Friends. All right, second hour on a Thursday. This is the day that we do uh, a little email checkup. Um, did we? Are we getting the big voice guy? Are we going to get a big voice guy? We're working on it. We're efforting? Yeah, it's being efforted. Fish, big, boy, big voice guy. Well, he's an all-hands meeting right now, so I don't think he's going to be able to hear that. Nobody heard hear it? We can basically do whatever we want for the next hour, and nobody from management in this company will hear us. <laughs> I always say that to my friends. They're like, so, like, what can you and can't say? And I say, well, you can say anything once on the air. That's true. Yeah. Well, I always say that with free speech. Yeah, you can say anything, but there are consequences. Yes, right. <laughs> sure, like everything has, has consequences I will it. start it like this, if you would like. The mail never stops. That's it just keeps coming and coming and coming. There's never a let up. It's relentless. Every day it piles up more and more and more. And you got to get it up. And the more you get out, the more it keeps coming in. That's what I want. That's, that's it. Maybe we just do that. Just, It'll be that's part of it. it. Like we've got a whole production yeah, yeah. plan. We've got a production plan. All right. Top men. Um, we're right next to the post office. Maybe we can get the post office to sponsor it too. Why yeah, not? that's right. Three to six that's weeks. Right. <laughs> My wife said to me the other day, she's like, she goes, oh, man, I'm out of stamps. And I looked at her as if she was speaking Greek. And I said, you still use stamps? For what? what? Does she have a pen pal or something? What, what are you said, doing? I keep a book who, of stamps uh, in, just ready but for all at all times. My mom gave me a box of envelopes, envelopes and some stamps, however many they were, when I went to college ten, over 10 years ago. And I still have some of those stamps and 
many of those envelopes. Are they forever stamps? They are. Otherwise, yes. Okay. Yeah. 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 That was. Yeah. Like, well, what are you doing? But now she does do like the Christmas card, so I suppose that's you need the stamps for that. Well, she's not doing those now. She's not doing those now. So I, I, I don't she's even know if I want to She's Amazon ask. packages with like 14, 14 stamps. stamps. <laughs> I'm like, are you paying? Because are you paying like some bills with stamps? Like you're not doing that online? I don't know what the hell's going on. It's sometimes. When's the last time you sent a letter physically? A letter? Yeah. 1999? I don't even know. I, I can't even tell you. College. I have the mailbox. Wrote my mom or something by my front door. It's not at the. It's not at the curb. It's so the mailman mm-hmm. walks by and he puts it in, and it doesn't like have the the little flag or whatever. So I don't even know how to send mail from my own house if I want to. I suppose you put it in there and he'd scoop it. Yeah, that would be the hope. But yeah. sometimes I leave it for a few days. The mail he puts in there because mail is yeah. pointless almost always now. It's all See, junk. Yeah, I still enjoy. I do still enjoy the. Th- I hope we don't, and I think we are. To your, you just said it. I think we're losing the thrill of seeing what's in the mail. Do you ever just open one of those credit card offers just so you get to open it? Oh sure. You know you're not it's getting this credit card, but yeah, let's see what the terms are. I mean, I remember on the Ponderosa County Line Farms, like my grandpa and my uncle, like we would be working in a field or whatever and uh, fixing fence, whatever. Like, and if they saw the the mail was like about a half mile away, and you could easily see like the the dust from the mail truck coming. And when they would see it coming, it was like shut down operation, get on a four wheeler and go get the mail. Like that was the job. Like you got to go get the Mm -hmm. damn mail. That's how important it was at that time. Um, All right. This one from Alan. (laughs) The subject is basketball fortunes. Uh, He writes uh, the mantra that a football school can't have an amazing basketball program holds no water. Why can't it? As a fan of Ohio state, I expect better. I don't know that I've ever said that it can't, I think just what we've does. just said, it's very difficult to and do. nobody it's, really does it. No one's threaded the needle. You can do it for a couple of years. We did it for a couple of years with Tress and Urban and then with, uh, certainly with, uh, with, I'm sorry, Tress and Mata and then Urban and Mata where you had a, a, a couple of crossover years there. And obviously at the year we either played for the national title in both. Of course, you lost to Florida in both. They're the other ones who did that at the very highest level. Texas has some runs where they were great at both. Oklahoma's have a couple runs or some SEC schools. Uh, Alabama was a one seed last year. So you can do it. It's just really hard to maintain it over the course of a long period of time. Um, and the other thing that's going to be, that's fascinating. And this is the part of the sport right now is how much NIL money is there and how do you decide who gets it? And around here, it's going to go to the football program. So how much NIL money can go to basketball if, if it's all going to football or the majority of it's going to football. And that's not just an Ohio state problem. That, that could be a Michigan problem. That could be a Bama problem. That could be, that could be across the country for the football schools. I also think like putting yourself in that pressure from like a fan standpoint is a recipe for misery because if you hold Ohio State's basketball program to the same standard that we hold the football program, then all of a sudden final fours aren't enough. Right now, what we're getting is not enough, but I want the runs to the final four to be super exciting and like, oh yeah, we finally got our team together. And if they lose, there you go. Well, still a really good season. That was really fun to watch. Whereas Ohio State, when they make the final four and lose, it's still almost a disappointment on the football side. We also, I think, need to uh, give some time uh, to figure out exactly what, like this whole, what what college basketball even is anymore. Because outside of, especially in the conference, Purdue, who clones seven six people in a basement, yeah, probably right. in a laboratory in West Lafayette, they're the only ones that really su- sustain success. But they still lose too. They do in the tournament. But Every, yeah, but everybody's been losing. When a bunch of conference of banners and you don't win in the tournament, and so right. 
I, I do think there is, and again, this isn't to try to make an excuse for what's going on right now, but you, we've got to have, everybody's got to have some time to figure out what the hell is going on with college athletic, with college hoops. Buckeye basketball, is it is it realistic for it to be what it was in that brief window with Thad consistently? Um, no, I don't think so. I don't, I don't think that you can be, cause you're a top five program kind of in that run. You're a top five program. You're recruited in the top five to 10. It's historically, it's never been that. Um, but it also should be just, so if it's Kentucky, Carolina, Kansas, Duke, who now UConn, whoever else is at the very top of the sport, you should be, you should be a consistently 10 to 15 ranked team. Once every five to six years, you should make a deep run in the tournament. You should be in the tournament every year. Yeah, every single year Ohio State should be in the tournament. Every year they should be in the top half of the Big Ten. Every once in a while they should win the Big Ten. That should be the requirement. I mean, if if you think of from from Aaron Kraft's junior year through D'Angelo Russell, that's that's what it should be. The perennial you be a two seed. You should be. That's that's the, what the program should be. That's what I think it should be. A perennial tournament team that's usually somewhere in the four to two range and, and you know you, you have better years and you have worse years but somewhere in there you make a lot of second weekends and every once in a while you actually make that deep run of the elite eight final four type stuff and they're falling way below that mark yes now for that now will be the second year in a row of that this one from wyatt after uh, the, the title is boone jenner at the all-star game after mix david's team which jenner was on and scored a goal for came back from three one down the final minute to win their semifinal the abc emission uh intermission guy steve levy mark messier pk subon took some time to shout out Boone Jenner and how it's great that he finally is an all-star in his 11th season and how it's great that hard workers and leaders like him get these opportunities in addition to the most skilled players in the NHL. I thought it was awesome. He's a great representative of the jacket. Sadly, this team lost in the final to Austin Matthews's team. I saw none of this. I don't understand. I didn't understand what they were doing. Uh, my kids watched some of the skills stuff. That was kind of fun, but um, I did not watch any of the NHL all-star. That is great for Boone. And I think in a way, I mean, he's just been such a class guy all the way through and the perfect leader to go from Felino to Boone. Now you just, the wins is what's next. I just feel like it's too many moving parts for the NHL all-star game that you announce the teams and every, every yeah. team gets one player at least. And then you pick the teams and then they play a tournament and it's three on three. So it's not, it's not real hockey. There's too much going on. I know that they've, you know, they probably got there because their game wasn't working either, but it feels like keep it simpler rather than more complicated for people to dive into something once a year. This is a, this is an incredibly detailed, I can't read all of it because there's it's, but it's well thought out and there's a lot going on. So it's from Nick. Uh, the title is Uncle Bo exclamation point. How you doing, sir? I'm doing great. He said, hope all is well. Thank you for what you do. You're dialed in, professional, someone who I who I greatly appreciate. You have perspective, and that's something most people don't understand how important. Well, I, th I think that's very kind of you to say. This is the point of the email. I was thinking about Florida State, and this is something I was thinking talking about with a friend a while ago. Um, he's talking about FSU trying to leave the ACC in the Big Ten, and then he poses this question. Isn't their best move to go independent? Hmm. I tried looking at the numbers, uh, given such a, and, and he says, so don't hold me the numbers, but I think Ohio, that he thinks Notre Dame is making around 25 million from NBC. Then they get another 20 million from playing ACC schools. And then whatever away games they get sold to other networks, they're making around 60 million a year. So that's 40 million less than big 10 teams and whatever the SEC getting. It's a distant third place, but it's far more than what they're making now. 
he contends that Florida State is a far more relevant brand than Notre Dame. I think they rate more. I don't know that they're more relevant to the people who buy television, but that's just a, that's a, I think there's some valid points here. Um, talks about the three national championships. Uh, they can hold on to Miami, Florida's rivalry games and play Texas Tech, Kansas State, Oregon State, Purdue, Michigan State, et cetera. You'd need dance partners on those, Nick. They would have to agree to play you. Um, if you did this, cause this would be an audacious play, obviously. Because without like the legacy games that Notre Dame has, there's not enough independence to kind of make your your schedule up of independence. No, no, they and there are other sports. It would be a real problem because if they did this, the ACC is not going to schedule them in anything. Um, so this is it's a very interesting thing. He said he concludes, but Florida State wants to leave for a conference. I believe their best move would be going independent. Something we haven't seen. We've seen independents join conferences. They were independent. This is me, not him. They were independent forever before finally joining the ACC. They were Metro in basketball in the 80s and early 90s and then went ACC all in, and that was about a decision. He did not want to play. They were with Louisville and Virginia Tech, some of them. I never uh, heard of that conference. Bowden wanted to be in the ACC. He didn't want to be in the SEC, and so that's how they ended up there. The SEC wanted him desperately. Um, the schedule would be tough. I, I think the scheduling part would make it tough. You would need Florida to continue to want to play you, you would need Miami to continue to want to play. You'd need Clemson to want to be able to play you. They would have to all be allowed to play you because some people are going to be pissed. Like Miami and Clemson would be pissed. You leaving us, man? Like I think even, I do think this is an interesting way to think about it. And would it, does there, is there a possibility that Florida State, Clemson, Miami, some of those programs try to go at it alone? You still got to get out of that grant of rights, though. Yeah, the one disadvantage that is immediately apparent because Notre Dame is in this boat right now is in the 12-team playoff, and we don't know if this is going to change, but right now those buys, that top four seed, has to be a conference champion, something that is not going to be available to an independent. So you would not be eligible currently for any of those buys if you were vying for a national championship. But I do think that... Yeah, the benefits of being independent sometimes help you out because we've talked about, well, if you play for your conference title game and if, especially if you lose it, but even if you win it, that's another tough game on your schedule. Whereas Notre Dame and then if FSU was independent, that's just a nice 12 game schedule. You know what's there for you. You know what you have to do at that level because they've seen what Notre Dame has to do. If you are at Florida State or Notre Dame and you're both independent, Notre Dame is the real one. They probably only have to get 10 wins to make the tournament just about every single year now because mm-hmm. of just how they're treated and FSU I think would be in that esteem and then also on the money standpoint we've talked about how I've actually thought it was a pretty smart play by Brett Yormark and the uh, the Big 12 to say we are fine with being third there's nothing wrong with being third and making the third most money but I had never thought about the independents actually are kind of third the high level independents in Notre Dame and a yeah. Florida State would, would I think enter that if they could get those deals worked and that is a not a bad place to be money-wise, but also how much longer is independence going to be viable in the college football makeup? Not long for independence. No, they if they were to so, so what they seceding from the ACC, <laughs> be on brand. They still got to get out. That's the problem. They can't. We're going to find six hundred million dollars to do so. Like so, the idea in theory yeah. is wonderful. And Florida man has been shouting this for now almost a year. Yes. You can't just find $600 million to do so. Mm -mm. No. So I think like what do they do? They call up Turner sports and say, Hey, are you interested in a football program? That's you know, underwater $600 million and pay us 60 million a year. Here's the other, here's the other. So all of those things are the roadblocks for it. It could possibly be a bridge to eventually joining a conference though, because, and he addresses this in the email. Again, it's very long, very detailed. Um, the SEC and the Big Ten don't want them. 
So for all of their noise that they're shouting in the corner of, we got to get out, we deserve more, we need more, give us more. The reality is, is the people who could give them more don't want them. They don't. Ohio State's not giving, Ohio State in the Big Ten, they're not giving Florida State full freight in the Big Ten. It reminds me of, and Florida State is not this person, but it reminds me of the the kid in high school who's like, oh, I just can't wait to get out of here. And then when he graduates high school, he just gets a job and moves a town over and lives in an apartment. And it's like, you got to have somewhere to go to want to leave. Yeah, that's true. Uh, this is one, uh, Slider sent this one in. Um, I've only recently started listening to your show. Welcome. Uh, and doing it via the podcast, which is available is almost within 10 minutes of when the show is done. Uh, he's enjoying it immensely. I'm a man of 40 and appreciate many of your references. Additionally, as an Ohio sports fan living in New York, enjoy getting to hear you guys talking about all things Ohio sports. You mentioned it in passing in last Friday's show, the show Battle of the Network Stars. I used to love watching that and just laugh thinking about Gabe Kaplan going up against Telly Savalas while Howard Cosell did play by play. Really appreciate all you guys do and make the fun. You guys have no point, of, and thank you for the email and listening. You guys had no point of reference. I have heard of it, but I've never seen it. Same. It was it only in the eighties, buddy. You guys know sometimes, like when I when we talk about movies from that time, we talk about there was just a lot of cocaine. Just do whatever. I, I, just, I just think great. there just was a lot. Green and it was here's stars, and it was they they did like an Olympiad. You know, like when you were kids and you do like a field day. Mm-hmm. That's basically was it was field day, except you would have like Bo and Luke Duke. On this, uh, going up against the fall guy and, and Knight Rider, and they would like play sports competitions. And then Bruce Jenner would show up. He'd be in the mix. That's, that's crazy. <laughs> that, that, do you remember? Crazy. Do you remember Shaq versus? One, yeah. One of them was like, yeah. who can eat more hot dogs, Shaq or a bear? And the bear just destroyed him. Well, of so course. It's a bear. It's what, a bear. What are we doing? There was a show that it didn't live very long. It was Pros versus Joes. Yeah. And so you had that, like I think a guy tried to wrestle Kurt Angle. What would yeah, and another, so there, just got it, clobbered. This was them competing against each other, and you would have the most absurd humanity competing for, for I mean, people from nuts. from. For as a kid, like it would be, and then like Farrah Fawcett would be there, and like Daisy Duke, and it, as a kid, I was like, okay, <laughs> now I'm in. Let's, I, let's now I'm in. When I was a kid, they had the Disney Channel games, which brought a bunch of stars from the Disney Channel shows yeah. to compete in these things. And I, that was probably just those people like, well, let's just repurpose this idea. Let's just run this back. Uh, Greg Sankey was on with Paul Feinbaum yesterday talking about uh, the partnership. It's not an alliance, but a partnership, rather. Um, Paul Feinbaum will join us at 1033. We're going to hear from Sankey coming up next. Bishop and Friends right here on The Fan. We're the highest-rated sports radio station in America. There's no joke there. We just are. The Fan, Ohio's sports destiny. Taking the art of sports radio and day drinking to a whole new level. You're listening to Bishop and Friends. Hey, Garrett, for the Typico Sportsbook, you get on the betting action with the playoff football, the hoops. The hockey, the golf, so much more. Take advantage of those massive odds boosts on your favorite teams and players. The biggest payouts available there. Try out that new Flex Parlay plan and cash in on your bets even if you miss a leg or two. Claim the new sign-up bonus now and get $100 in bonus bets when you bet $25. Sign up now and enter the promo code THEFAN100. Get a $100 bonus. Download the Tipco Sportsbook app today. Must be 21 or older. Physically located in Ohio. Terms and conditions do apply. Gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER for more on that. Greg Sankey was on the Paul Feinbaum show yesterday. Paul Feinbaum himself will join us in about 11 minutes uh, discussing um, this partnership 
that that will happen that is happening between the Big Ten and the Southeastern Conference in terms of why it was formed. Here's what Paul. Here's what uh, Greg had to say. My colleague Tony Petiti with the Big Ten Conference and myself announced uh, after discussions between ourselves and with our presidents and chancellors and athletics directors formation of an advisory group. Uh, we shared at the time the reasons for that group being created just at a high level. Like we have a responsibility for leadership. We have a set of commonalities between the conferences, very high level, very successful programs. Um, and we've all been in rooms of people, big rooms filled with a lot of people, and we don't seem to be making a lot of progress on the key issues present in college athletics. So here's an opportunity uh, to slim down the participants' focus between two conferences with the idea that we can introduce some concepts that others can consider and react to. We have no unilateral authority. Uh, we have a set of pressing issues upon us that merit this type of conversation, knowing that we need to draw people in, widen the circle, whatever phrase applies, so that we can have, um, again, a, a, an even healthier collegiate athletics environment as we move forward. Last okay. week, there was a quote from Sankey, too, where he was at one of the meetings that, you know, they're at some, he, he was paraphrasing, but getting a question. And again, this is from him, but the idea that somebody came up to him and was like, Hey, when is the Big Ten and the SEC just going to solve all these problems? And again, that's from Sankey. And he's sort of saying the same thing here that like, we're just getting together because somebody has to do it and we're the most powerful. Yeah. He was also quick to, to, uh, make it abundantly clear, at least publicly, that they're not going to circumvent the NCAA, but rather working with them. And of course, it's always worth reminding to folks out there listening that they are the NCAA. <laughs> that's who they they are. The, the, the NCAA works for them. That's that's the way that it works. They work for the com- conference commissioners and the university presidents. So um, here is here is Sankey on that. This um, effort to form an advisory group that involves presidents and athletics directors is not. Uh, directly about the NCA, it is not on our, our our focus list or issues list that we're going someplace else. Both conferences have historical participation, historical linkage, historical investment in the NCA. We need a healthy national governing body, um, and to the extent we can contribute to that in a new way, that explains more of what our focus will be than than something that people may want to imagine. He, he's saying the right things publicly, but the reality is, and everybody knows it, is that it is impossible as currently constructed to come up with a set of rules, legislation, guidelines, new path forward that represents everyone who is Division One. There's no way. So something that has been talked about around here from Gordon Gee going back over a decade is the super conference thing. It has to happen. These things are not... These entities are not the same. All Division One is, it's not the same in any way, shape, or form, let alone the chasm that has now occurred between these two conferences and even the rest of what used to be Power Five to the point that there isn't even a Power Five anymore. There's a Power Four and two teams. So, and even in the other two, the ACC and the Big 12 are so far behind that is it even, is it even possible for them to keep pace over the next decade? My argument would be no. And so too would be places like Florida states. Their argument would be no as well. So that's always going to be the hard thing is when you're talking about helping the NCAA and working with them, not circumventing them, 
how is it possible to represent Ohio State and Alabama and LSU and Michigan and Oregon and Tennessee and Florida and Georgia and Washington and Penn State? How can you possibly represent them and their best interests and their economic model in addition to Oklahoma State or Arizona State, let alone Mac schools, Sunbelt school? It's, it's impossible. I think what you said impossible. a lot is right that like they don't want to sit there and have to rewrite the entire new rule book yeah. and then be in charge of that entire new rule book. But for me, the analogy comes down to you, the NCAA is a vehicle to get to the destination that they, they want to. That's what he, he's kind of trying to say or that we want to still be in that vehicle and go on. But working with the NCAA, I think you also have to ask that question. Well, is the vehicle totaled? Is it salvageable or is it worth salvaging what's left of it versus should you just go get a new car and figure it out that way to get to your new destination? I think that's a delicate. I I just think it's a delicate line. You've kind of got to walk because the NCAA is just so intertwined with everything else. And you heard, you know, Ross Bjork say that there's still going to be college athletics. I think when he was on with Morning Juice at the end of January and it's like, okay, well, that means if Ohio State wants to maintain 36 sports, then you're going to have to have some of that from ev- from what this ever this new alliance is going to be with some idea that well we want you know football's the driver, but we also want to maintain everything else we've got. And ESPN still owns or NCAA still owns that gigantic basketball tournament you're going to get in a little over a month. Yeah, yeah. I I to use your analogy on the car, nobody wants to. Nobody wants to buy the new car right. because they don't know what comes with it. But I st- I think you can take the existing car, get it in the body shop, get it detailed, put some new tires on it, and it'll service you, but it's not going to service its previous owner. You've seen You're going to get a certified ride. used car is what you want. Yeah, that's And if that's the case, that's fine. Yeah. And if it's still called that's NCAA, show. that's fine. I don't need the NCAA yeah. to actually fall. I just need it to yeah. change correctly. <laughs> Yeah, and, and where it concerns us, not where it concerns everybody else in Division One. Paul Feinbaum conducted the interview with Greg Sankey. He'll join us next. Bishop and Friends right here on The Fan. The Chris Holtman Daily Show is brought to you locally on The Fan by Credit Union of Ohio. This is the Chris Holman Daily Show brought to you by Encoba Insurance. Devin Royal, as of late, we've seen some extended minutes from what he's been able to do. Is there a comfort factor when he gets out there and just seems to, it's coming to him a little more naturally? Well, I think, yeah, I think that's part of it. He's also defending a little bit better. And, uh, he's a, you know, he's a really good kid who's worked really hard um, to get better in the areas he's needed to get better in. And I now think he's playing to his gifts, his strengths, uh, which we saw in the Iowa game. He's physical. He's aggressive. He's a really good athlete. He's got good length. He's just going to be a really good player. I, I really believe he's going to be a very good player. And uh, I'm proud of him that he continues to work. And I'm looking forward to seeing him continue to grow here throughout his career. We have another comment in just a moment. Hi, I'm Archie Griffin, two-time Heisman Trophy winner. The right coverage can be a game changer, both on and off the field. That's why Encova Insurance and their local independent agents are prepared for what's next and protect what matters most to you. Whether that's your home, car, business, or family, Encova's got your back with a policy that fits you perfectly. With local independent agents in your neighborhood and innovative insurance products that can be tailored to fit your unique needs, Encova's playbook is an easy win for your peace of mind. You can trust their team of agents to develop a strategy that's just right for you. And it's not just X's and O's. Your expert agent will guide you and provide insurance solutions so you can confidently manage your risk and count on a financially secure future. For auto home and business insurance, you want Encova on your team. 
Visit Incova.com today to find an agent near you. Incova is a proud sponsor of Ohio State Athletics. Go Bucks! Now the officials have been talking for quite some time. Alrighty, let's see what they have to say. Upon further review, there is no penalty on the play. However, we have conferred and discovered that Bob, the line judge, has saved a boatload for his kids' college using Ohio's 529 plan. It is tax-free, accepted nationwide. Bob recommends we all go to collegeadvantage.com. First down. Well, that's not entirely unexpected. <laughs> Classic Bob. Look around. Listen. There are a lot of tough questions. Questions about people and technology. About how we interact with our world and with each other. At Ohio State, we champion people and their potential. Because here, anything, everything is possible. This is the Ohio State Sports Network from Learfield. We've talked so much about Evan Mahaffey and all the things he does, Chris. Handling the basketball and at times being your point guard, has that kind of expanded the things that he brings? Yeah, I think he's done a good job kind of playing as many as three or four different positions, which is a lot for a kid. But he's a really bright kid, Paul. Really bright kid. Excellent student. Can pick up things quickly. And uh, he's done a great job uh, with all the different things we've thrown at him offensively and defensively. This is the Ohio State Sports Network from Learfield. Is it time to upgrade your financial situation? Whether you're shooting for financial goals or making a fast break towards savings, Credit Union of Ohio is on your team. If you live in Central or Northeast Ohio, you could score big with affordable loans and competitive savings. Enjoy Credit Union of Ohio's fast and easy online application process and make a slam dunk when it comes to your financial needs. Start winning at cuofohio.org. That's cuofohio.org. Federally insured by NCUA. Everybody knows that Roosters is a fun, casual joint with their award-winning waitstaff, great food, fun, and laughter. It's a quick stop on the way home to sit back and unwind or grab a carryout. Roosters is where you, your family, and friends can order pizza, sandwiches, salads, and more. And the home of award-winning wings that are fresh, never frozen. It's your family's other dinner table. Roosters, a fun, casual joint. Sports conversation that's worthy of a toast, or at least a stiff drink. You're listening to Bishop and Friends. Indeed you are. Time of the week, time of the show, we revisit with our good buddy Paul Feinbaum, the Paul Feinbaum Show on the SEC Network, ESPN, Sirius XM. He joins us on the Brian Heating Cooling Systems Fan Guest Hotline. We had the interview with uh, Greg Sankey yesterday. We we played some of that uh, from your show. Um, did he answer everything that, that you were hoping, and what was your biggest takeaway from, from your time with the SEC boss? Yeah, but, well, I think what he's really trying to say is that Tony Petiti uh, and the SC, from the Big Ten and the SEC, we're trying to tackle the big ticket items. Uh, we're, we are we are not trying to take over college athletics. Quite frankly, they already have, so I don't think he needed to say they were. Um, and I, I think what they're really interested in is making sure that uh, all these smaller schools and smaller conferences uh, don't have the kind of voice that they've had, especially in, in issues like CFT. When uh, I, I, I detected that maybe the group of five uh, days are numbered there, uh, maybe they're going to figure out a way to actually get the best teams in versus uh, the most deserving. But I think the real issues are the legal uh, the legal problems facing college athletics, and I think he 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 and Petiti are going to try to tackle that where where they tell the NCAA 
where we are as opposed to waiting for the bureaucracy of the NCAA to take over. Yeah, it, it, that, no, there's no question. I think the other thing that's really fascinating to me is, you know, they both, and any time you hear, like Ross Bjork said this a couple of weeks ago when he was here, the new athletic director here, uh, we don't get as much from Petiti as, as we get from Sankey. He's far more public in it. Uh, but as I'm listening to your interview yesterday, and he's talking about we don't want to circumvent the NCAA. It's about working with them and, and being a bigger voice. I, it seems to me impossible. I'm glad you brought up the, the group of five thing because, Paul, it seems impossible that, that you have a governing body that can look out for the best interests of, of Alabama and Ohio State and also Bowling Green and UAB. I mean, those things don't add up in any way. That There is a chasm, and there's even a chasm between those halves that I just mentioned and what used to be the Power Five. We, we have to be headed to a super conference thing here, right? Yeah, I think ultimately that's right. Now, remember something about Greg Sankey. I mean, he is kind of what you would call in Washington or in the court system an institutionalist. He used to be the commissioner of the Gulf South. Uh, he's been in all these small places, and I think he probably cares more about them than I do or you do. Um, but that's beside the point. He's the head of the SEC. But I think it's really unique, and he also mentioned a couple of years ago he went to Kevin Warren of the Big Ten to try to uh, get something rolling here, and it got nowhere. And then you know better than anyone what Warren did did yeah. do during COVID. And I think Sankey uh, and Petiti, there, there's a past relationship between Petiti and the SEC, and uh, give Petiti credit. I mean, he immediately got down to Birmingham uh, and then and then uh, to, to see what was going on. And, and then Sankey, I mean, Sankey does not look at, at the Big Ten as, as competition. I mean, they both have a, essentially a monopoly on college football, uh, which is where the action is. They, they have their separate networks, uh, and they're not really. Uh, I mean, it's one thing if you're if you're battling the other guy for you know within the framework of ESPN or Fox, but th- they are not. Uh, ESPN is all SEC, and obviously uh, the Big Ten situation is multi layered. It is, and I think there was something else that happened this week that I took note of, and I'm sure you did as well. That uh, that app partnership between ESPN, Fox, and Warner. Um, it is it. And you mentioned Petiti and, and Sankey have, being able to kind of walk hand in hand with this stuff. Could this also be a situation where these network partners who have always been the, the fiercest of competitors were, hey, maybe we just cut out some middlemen here and we can make a lot. It's all comes back to the money, but that was interesting to me, Paul, that, that they're, that they're working on this, this sports app and kind of a partnership for we're all get it at one spot. Yeah, and I, I think when you, if you look at Fox and ESPN, just for, for starters, I, I think they know that the competition really isn't each other. It's, uh, it's all these other entities, uh, you know, Amazon, Netflix, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, the people with really the big money. And I, that sounds crazy considering Fox and Disney are two of the biggest people on the block, but right now it, it's a different world. No, it, yeah, it, it totally is. Uh, you mentioned uh, the Petiti Sankey previous relationship, and and I mentioned that we don't get to hear from Petiti nearly as much as we get to hear from Sankey. Um, what what do you make of those two, and how how strong handed will they be here? I think they'll be very strong handed uh, when once they once the dust settles. Um, I, I really, uh, I mean, I got the impression from Greg Sankey yesterday that he he is just fed up. Uh, with with all the bureaucracy, even though they're part of it, but but I think he's he really uh, he mentioned a, a, a CFP meeting a couple of mm-hmm. years ago in Indianapolis when it all came apart, and that was you know that was the ACC, the Big Ten, and, and the Pac-12 you know coming up with the alliance. Probably the funniest moment in the interview when I, when I referenced the alliance. He stopped and said, "That's a bad word." Um, he said, "I'm gonna I'm gonna fine you for that." I mean that that was really interesting. 
um, because that that ended the 12 team playoff starting this past year. And just I mean, not to beat a dead horse, Bo, but uh, all this nonsense uh, that we heard from Florida State, they would have been in. Ohio State would have been in, mm-hmm. and uh, it would have been a completely different situation. Yeah, there's no doubt. You mentioned that the the college football meeting from years past. We, they had one on Monday as well, where they're trying to figure out the future of this thing. And I'm looking at the schedule for 24. It's it's absolutely crazy when they're going to play all these games and as long as it's going to take out. When you think about um, if if this gets to, we got two more years of this 12, and then we're, my hunch is we get to 16. I don't know where you stand on that, but if they get to 16, if you're Sankey and you're Petiti, what's the number that you can get away with being representative from your conferences? Is it all 16, Paul? Is it 12? What what would be the number? Yeah, I mean, I think within, I mean, I think right now, I mean, if you had to be uh, realistic, uh, there's no way more than three are getting in from the, the, the SEC or, or the Big Ten in the current construct. And I think that's a, that's a bone of contention. I mean, the idea that, and, and every time I bring this up, somebody says, well, you know, remember Cincinnati a couple of years ago? Yeah, I remember. Mm-hmm. I, got, I got stuck at that game. In Dallas, and uh, it, it was four hours I'll never get back because they, they were they were way out of their league, uh, in spite of the undefeated record. So I I, I just think that the, you know the fact that we're stuck with this bizarre combination of pack to you know pack the Pac twelve is legally alive. There's no chance that those two are going to be eligible, but the fact that they could be eligible is I think is something that Sankey addressed as well yesterday. Yeah, this is where you're you're going to get is is the notion of our nine and three is a hell of a lot better than your twelve and zero, right, and I I, right. I think quite honestly they have a point when you think about what's happened to what's left of the Big Twelve and and so forth and so on. I, I was curious. Um, I I listened to your the Sankey portion of your program yesterday, but I was curious um, how the Dylan Riola Dominic Riola comments on on National Signing Day in terms of uh, the conversation it had with with Kirk Herbstreet and and that obviously knowing Kirk, I, there's no chance he wanted Dominic to share that. Um, but then I heard from some Georgia people who are like, well, we didn't want him anyway. How did that all play um, in the Georgia fan base? Well, it played badly um, because uh, there's another thing that happened prior to that at the SEC championship game. Uh, Pat McAfee on the set of game day essentially said um, to you know Georgia fans, "You can go to hell," or maybe uh, something along those lines. Sure. And it got it got very uh, beaten out of shape for a lot of people. And I really uh, and then when they heard this, and I I tried to uh, listen. You know, Kirk. I know Kirk. Uh, Kirk has always been very quick to respond. He didn't, and I finally heard from him later. And and you know, he never quite issued a denial. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, he he said, "Listen, you, you talk to a lot of people. You have no choice." Uh, I think he I think he came off looking poor to Georgia fans who can't wait to get mad at somebody uh, because that's that's fans in general. I mean, not, and and they love to get mad at broadcasters. Uh, and I, I think the, the fact that it happened on the same day that Saban was named right. to game day probably irritated Georgia fans even more. <laughs> I just thought of like. Because you told that story a couple of weeks ago back with us when Saban went at you at SEC Media Days. And I'm thinking, like, he's going to sit in SEC Media Days? And he's going to talk about yeah. – I mean, that's hard for me to wrap my head around, man. You know him better than I do. There's obviously got to be an incredible personality behind all of that. How do you think he, How do you think this goes? Uh, I think it will be difficult. Now, again, I, I don't know Urban Meyer that well, but you know, he, he has fit in fairly well to what he's mm-hmm. doing on Fox. But it's a little different. Uh, I mean, Urban's had a few stops uh, since – he was at Ohio State, or at least one. It seemed like mm-hmm. it was brief. Um, Saban's one of the most impatient people I've ever been around. And I just can't imagine, uh, knowing the game day situation, that he's going to be able to sit there. Uh, you know, Obviously, they'll start with him. 
But, you know, the fact that he's got to sit there and listen to Desmond Howard talk, I mean, can you, can you imagine <laughs> no. that? Uh, no. I mean, he's going to look at like, you don't know what you're talking about, because, frankly, the guy never does. Uh, so, uh, you know, th- that is going to be, I think, the most frustrating part. It's a three-hour show. You've got to put up a lot of nonsense beforehand. You've got, uh, this, the first thing that happens after game day is over is you spend 15 or 20 minutes taking pictures with all the big uh, VIPs and the sponsors. I mean, I, that's not in Nick Saban's wheelhouse either. No, it's not. <laughs> great stuff as always, my friend. Thank you for your time. We'll talk to you next week. My pleasure. Thank you, Bill. All right, the great Paul Feinbaum of the Paul Feinbaum Show of uh, the SEC Network and everywhere else, uh, ESPN as well. Thing or not a thing up next. Bishop and Friends right here on The Fan. Big Voice Guy here to remind you that you're listening to The Fan, Ohio sports destination. Okay, thanks. I have three more seconds. Uh, Drink recommendations, movie reviews, sports discussion, and whatever the hell Reeser does. This is Bishop and Friends. All right, time for a little thing or not a thing. Hit it, fellas. Thing or not a thing. Sponsored by Apex Plumbing Pros. Saw this in today's Skull Session on 11 Warriors. On Sunday, C.J. Stroud performed in the Pro Bowl games in Orlando, completing 18 of 22 passes for 173 yards and two touchdowns. Remember, that's a flag football game. Yep. And it's only 60 yards long, so 173 yards is actually kind of impressive. On Wednesday, Stroud was named the NBA Celebrity All-Star Game, which will be held at the Indiana Pacers Gamebridge Fieldhouse on February 16th. Stroud will be a member of the team Stephen A. Smith, which will take on Team Shannon Sharp in the event. In addition oh. to Stroud, Team Stephen A. features former NBA All-Star Meta World Peace, Phoenix Mercury guard Natasha Cloud, and EGOT winner Jennifer Hudson, among others. In contrast, Team Shannon features Dallas Cowboys linebacker Micah Parsons, IndyCar Series racer Connor Daly, and Emmy winner Lily Singh. Thing or not a thing? I, the only one I know on the other team is Micah. I don't know who the other people are at all. Um, Lily Singh like came up like through like YouTube and stuff, and then eventually sure. had a late night show for a while that d- didn't make it through the pandemic. No kidding. I bet <laughs> not. Um, so he can play. Like, yeah, he, he was can, a good high school he, he, he too. He can flat out play. Yeah, he, he can play ball. I remember we, we were talking, I can't remember if where it was, but we were talking to him about like putting together like an Ohio State football slash basketball. Yeah, team. he like, started that Thanos. like would uh, yeah uh, would a makeup of the best Ohio State football players, the best basketball players on the football yeah. team, be able to beat the Ohio State men's basketball team? Correct. It started with that idea that JT Tuimoloau might play both. Remember so was, when he first yeah. committed, there was an idea there. It was JT. It was Duan. It was Big Thanos. Yeah. He was a big time player out of Indiana, and then CJ. Yeah, I mean he can hoop. That'll be fun. I mean, I, I, the, my kids will love that. I bet Micah Parsons can hoop, too. He just seems like good at any athletic endeavor. Feels like it, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a thing just because you have so many stars. I wonder if, like, Stephen A. and Shannon, because Shannon looks like he could still play in, in the NFL. Like, so I wonder yeah. if they get out there and hoop. Stephen A. can't do that. How old like, is like, Stephen if he, A.? If Stephen A. can't play, he can't show that he can't play. Right. That's one of those things. You, you sign up to do one of those things, you better be able to do it. Stephen A was is fifty six. Yeah. Can't tell if that's younger or older than I thought it was going to be. It's right or near where. Yeah, yeah. I thought it would be somewhere in there. 
Speaking of old people, on the most recent episode of his podcast, Let's Go, Tom Brady was asked if he's surprised no NFL team has hired Bill Belichick in the offseason. I don't know the criteria for hiring these guys, for hiring coaches. You know, I have never been a part of it. I mean, I'm surprised that the greatest coach ever doesn't have a job. You know, absolutely. But, you know, I'm surprised a lot of things in the NFL. When I was a free agent, there was a lot of teams that didn't want me. There's a lot of things that happen that, you know, for one reason or another, don't go exactly the way, you, you know, you think they should go. Thing or not a thing. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's all truth. Everything he said is true. Um, there were a staggering few amount of teams that wanted Tom Brady, and then he won a Super Bowl in Tampa. Um, so I think the Belichick thing's a little bit more complicated from the standpoint of Brady was always going to find a spot to be a starting quarterback and was still very good at it, obviously. Uh, the Belichick thing is, I mean, it, it's father time, and the teams that... Would you would think there was no job open this year other than Atlanta, but they don't have the quarterback that felt like a fit to me for Belichick. Like everything else, it felt like yeah, if McCarthy's fired in Dallas, okay, fine. But there was, or even if Sirianni was fired in Philly, like he was going to go to a, he's going to be a fixer. He's going to be a ready-made. Like if it didn't go well for the Browns this year, like that would have made sense. But like there were no rosters out there that made sense other than Atlanta, and they need the quarterback and. All the reporting suggests that everybody in the front office Atlanta didn't want to lose their jobs. So that's part of it. And there's so much infrastructure and things you have to put in from hiring a new head coach that it's not like yeah. quarterback with Tom Brady, oh, whoever is quarterback, Jameis Winston, whatever, get rid of him. Well, it's Tom Brady who's coming in. Whereas if you like your coach, maybe not love, but like your coach, you're not just going to fire him just to, and that's kind of the right. Dallas situation that I think they like Mike McCarthy. They're not in love with him, but they weren't ready to move on and change over everything to hire Belichick. At least not yet. We'll see what happens yeah. with all of that. But I also, whenever somebody, whenever a person is on their own podcast and they decide to to say something, I'm always like, "Well, you control the content, like what you're what you're talking <laughs> about here." So I was like, "Is he trying to, in some way, just throw a little bit of shade at Belichick?" But then I thought about it, and Tom Brady would be involved, I think, in whatever franchise he was with if there was a coaching search. But he never did it. He never had to go through that. No. He never had a coaching change, which is, I mean, except for when he changed teams, but they didn't change the coach while he was with the Buccaneers. They changed it right after. Sure. Or did he, well, I guess he went through one. Did Bruce Arians step down after yeah, the Super he Bowl? Stepped, yeah, yeah, he did. He did step. And I think that was at Brady's behest, right? Yeah. Like he wanted the change. Yeah. Yeah, but either way, it's he never had to obviously go through it in New England, where he definitely would have been in on the conversation with Robert Kraft on who for was going to sure. be the next coach. This is from Tom Pelissero. 49ers and Chiefs players are barred from any form of gambling leading up to Super Bowl 58 here in Las Vegas. But sources say the NFL and NFLPA have agreed that restrictions end after the game. In other words, all bets are off for post-game celebrations Sunday night. He included with that tweet a picture of an NFL-slash-Super Bowl-themed slot machine. The Bengals are actually the team that was showing on top of it at the time. Thing or not a thing? Baby steps, right? Like the absurdity of, of walking, talking out of one side of your mouth that nobody can bet on anything and out of the other side of your mouth that, oh, yeah, we want all of the money from all of the of the gambling sites. So, well, and uh, this, this is, is gambling in Vegas, though. Sure. Like right. They, I know. But like you can't like when N when an NFL team goes to Vegas, they cannot go into a casino. That doesn't make any sense. Like when a visiting team goes, they can't play blackjack. They can't play slots. They can't play anything like they have a strict. It's not just like just not betting on sports. It's no betting, period. Because NFL stop. players never go to uh, <laughs> unsavory right. places when they're on the road. They can't even do college basketball pools, March Madness pools. They can't even do that. So, like, baby steps, right? 
that that's kind of what this is. Yeah, th- I mean, this is a thing. Like, it, it's an obvious thing. I just wonder who, because it does feel like there's at least one person on one of these teams that thinks they're smarter than they're they're one of the smartest people that they can get away with it. Well, we had guys last year at Detroit who were suspended multiple games for gambling in the facility. They had no idea they couldn't bet on. They weren't betting on the NFL. Is uh, is anybody going to pull the Johnny Manziel and put on a wig and try to hit a table? <laughs> there it is, the mustache. The up to it. Also, I didn't think about this until seeing this because he mentions like, oh, all bets are off after the game. Vegas is like where you go to celebrate your Super Bowl win, and they're already there. They're there. That's perfect. They don't have to leave. <laughs> yeah, they're they are absolutely there. Uh, coming up at eleven twenty, we'll get into that a little bit in terms of how Vegas has become the it city for American sports. Coming up next, the Buckeye roster and its construction. Ryan Day on the talent, the portal, his two young quarterbacks. You'll hear from all of that coming up next. Bishman friends, right here on the fan. Here's a listener tweet. Can I tase Common Man in the nuts? Fine by us, but he may like it. Common Man and Tebow. Weekdays from 3 to 6. The f- Distilled sports discussion served in light beer quantities. You're listening to Bishop and Friends. Hey, final hour here on a Thursday. Doug Maurice coming up at 11.33. Ryan Day with wide-ranging interview, both uh, media conference in addition to his own show about everything that's happened in this offseason. Earlier in this show, and you can hear a referral conversation wherever uh, you download our podcast, uh, we, we talked about like the Mount Rushmore of the offseason being uh, the Will Howard acquisition, uh, the play calling going from Ryan Day to Bill O'Brien or whomever follows Bill O'Brien should he take the Boston College job, the Saban retirement, and then what that allowed from a roster fast-track rebuild situation. And then in addition to that, um, the, the last part of it being the draft-eligible Buckeyes deciding to stay so all of those things factored into um what will be i think the most talented ohio state roster probably top to bottom since 2015 um all of those factors led to that with the exception of the play calling uh part of it Uh, i think one other thing to be very cognizant of as a buckeye fan the people in charge up there they were on the forefront of understanding what was coming what i mean by that is the realities of a 12-team playoff and that you, I think the best example of this is Travion Henderson and, and Quinshawn Judkins' inability to convince them that we're going to need two of you. Um, and it's not just that position. It's going to be incredible depth that's going to be needed across the board because you're going to play, if you win a national championship, you're going to have to play an NFL type schedule. And, and Ryan Day addressed this. Uh, this was a, it was a great question from Jim on the, on his show yesterday about the realities of a 12 team playoff and what the necessity is from a roster standpoint. Yeah, I think it's it's a fascinating conversation of where we're going. I think we look at our, our schedule next year. We have a great schedule, eight home games. We have to go to Oregon. We have to go to Penn State. And then we get the last one at home. Just a great schedule. But then when you think about the championship game, there's game 13. Then you think you get the wild card, you know, weekend, quote unquote. And then you have, you may be 16, 17 games. That's never happened before in college football. So we're under the guise of 85 scholarships. And so that, that's been around for a long time under the, you know, 12, 13, maybe 14 games. Now you're going to extend the out to 16, 17. Totally different situation. In the NFL, as you know, you sign them off a waiver, so the idea of a pair and a spare kind of held up. I actually think you need to be now almost three and four deep at each position because it's going to go deep into December, into January. Fact. <laughs> it is. Now, college teams have played 16 and 17 games before. There's just been one double A teams that have done it. Um, nobody at the Division One level has done it. Um, he also, I don't think it's a mistake that he points out, you know, the conference championship game being mm-hmm. in there. Nobody's going to want to play in those things, man. 
what's it going to mean if it's going to make your chance to win a national championship harder? So much less. And that's the real one, like with the factor that I think we could actually see weird things going on with players playing and or resting or, hey, this guy is 80%. A guy like, you know, say Marvin Harrison Jr., he's 80%. He's coming off an injury from last week, tweaked his ankle. He's not going to play in the Big Ten title game because in a month or three weeks, he's going to have to play in a playoff game for us. And that's more important right now. I also think he did a very good job of selling that the schedule next year is really good. If you list out the highlights of it, I took note, quote, great schedule. Stop. Eight home We games. love you. But stop. Stop it. That's not. That's not. No. 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 Not yes, those are the you listed the three. Yeah, those, those are facts. Are, you have great. eight home games. Those are facts. You do factually play at Oregon, at Penn State, you have Michigan here. Those are all facts. The great, no, not. I can see it's probably great from his standpoint because he's going to start the year either one or two in the country, and so he doesn't need to play anybody in the first month at all. But for you, the consumer, it's brutal, absolutely brutal to, to play those things. But he's he was very candid about what it's going to take from a roster construction standpoint. Um, and so they, they were asking him that, that about on his show yesterday, and uh, this is courtesy of the Ryan Day, Ryan Day show uh, of Learfield. He says, um, in terms of having to go into the portal and fill rosters to get a full roster, here's what he had to say on that. Today's a good day to kind of address some of the portal stuff because that's that's part of it now. And, you know, we, we did, you know, uh, address some, some holes, we feel like, you know, and that's what the portal is used for right now in our program. It's not something where we're, we're you know, going to recruit on a yearly basis a bunch of guys in the portal, bring them in like 20, 30 guys. That's not really where we're at. We want to, you know, recruit high school players, certainly in the state of Ohio and across the country, and then develop them once they're here. But we also know because of the portal, there's going to be movement. There's going to be opportunities, you know, for instance, you know, Chip Tranum decided that he was going to transfer out and go to Kentucky. Well, we had a hole there. So, you know, we're able to, you know, bring in Quinchon, which was big. And, you know, Kyle decided he was going to enter the portal. So we brought in Will, you know, so when, when someone, you know, Matt Jones graduated, we brought in Seth McLaughlin. So, you know, those are the things that we try to do. It's not like we're out there just trying to, you know, bring in as many players as we can. We're trying to fit spots. All of those, all of that's true, except for at the quarterback position with saying all the rest of that is fine. And by the way, like if McCord stays, do they still go quarterback hunting? I think they probably do. Um, but, but Julian saying is the, is the only one. And I think he's, I think what he's saying there is largely true. Like philosophically, they don't want to be like Colorado or Syracuse or Louisville. You're bringing in 30 guys. Like nobody, they don't want to do that. They want to develop. They want to recruit. Then they want to develop. Then they want to have their guys, but it, always, always in recruiting. You're as loyal as your options. And Nick Saban retired. So that allowed for, an Alabama roster to be rated. And it'll like, were th- would they have gone into the portal for another safety if Caleb Downs wasn't available? I don't think so. I think they had a chance to get a generational guy who was a stud in his first year, who's a pro, and they were able to get him. They were able to go recruit him and pursue him and get him here and get him as NIL and get him taken care of. And th- that happened because Saban retired. So you, your plan is is not ever written in stone. Your your plan is written on a piece of yellow legal pad with a pencil because it it's it's a plan as long as the plan as long as those are your options. But once your options change, your plans change. And that's what happened here. 
I think it's intriguing and also like perplexing what Colorado is doing at the same time. Like, can this really work? Can you really flip over your roster this many times? And they won some really exciting and important games for them at the beginning of their season. But you saw that down the stretch, once some injuries started to happen, that they just didn't have that depth. And depth, depth is something that Ryan Day mentions in this as well. And we've also seen, though, on the other side that it doesn't feel like recruiting is going to be on its own just enough anymore because you're going to also suffer that attrition because of the way the transfer portal is open. So it's going to be the programs and Ohio State seems to have entered the conversation this offseason that combine those two that I think are going to be at the top of college football as we go into the 12-team playoff and beyond. And who knows what changes could be down the road. But currently constructed you still have to be one of the top recruiters, but you have to be open to bringing in those top-line guys who maybe didn't pick you the first time around. But hey, yeah. they're available now, and they fill a hole and a roster spot that you need. I also think he's doing, and a lot of coaches do like a really good job of understanding that there are other people listening than just us. Yeah. So they, you know, they're high school kids, they're, they're parents, they're high school coaches. So everybody kind of has to at least think you know, it, it, you want to say it out loud that you are doing both, right? And, and mm-hmm. your point about Dion in Colorado, it's like, well, he's really not. But everybody else is. Mm-hmm. Now, whether that's true or, or whether that's successful to do what Dion's doing, whether this move is successful where you didn't, you know, recruit or develop this quarterback, but you're about to start him in a pretty pivotal year, you know, that that remains to be seen for Ohio State. Yeah, th- this this thing is, this offseason, these guys coming in, it's, if Nick Saban doesn't leave Alabama, it doesn't look like this. Like that's it's that's kind of that simple, <laughs> you know. Like it doesn't look like this. It it looks entirely different. Um, it looks this way because of what happened at Alabama. And I think kind of the I, I want to get to his comments on Julian Sand and Aaron, Aaron Nolan in just a second. But I, I think one of the things that was that I wanted to get to first um, was this notion of because knowing Ryan, but just a touch, he's gonna want you got to be straightforward with people. And he talked about that yesterday on his show about you've got to be honest with these kids in the portal. And this is a different tone than the tone that you're used to around here. One of the things I I try to do in those situations is explain to everybody in the room of if we're going to bring somebody in, this is why we're doing it. And this is the situation and and sometimes get their feedback. And in that particular situation, got the feedback from Travion and what what a leader he's been the last month, you know, and just, hey, if that's going to upgrade the team, that's going to help the team. Let's go. Let's go do it. And um, that's just a sign of maturity. You know, I I got a feeling he's going to have an unbelievable season, but he's already done a great job leading so far the last month. That's the easiest one to do it. That's, That's a very simple one to do is running back because job share all of these guys know the notion of how much treads on the tires Quinshawn Judkins was ridden like sea biscuit at Ole Miss I mean he carried the freight so for him to split yeah that I'm trying to get to the league man like that 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 to me was a very unique smart savvy sales pitch, not only to Travion, but also to Quinshawn Judkins that, hey, we're going to need two of you. We want to play 16 games next year. We're going to need two of you. We don't need anybody having 300 carries. And and I think that's a really easy sell and a smart, savvy sell that Ohio State did at that position. It's something that like stood out to me because when I first read the the caption for this soundbite, tries to be honest with guys when bringing in portal players, I was more thinking about the portal players, like how he's recruiting yeah. them, but they know how to recruit players. They do that yes. well at the high school level and apparently now do it well in the portal level, but it's that new skill and it's encouraging that they are focusing on it and trying to hone it of 
you got to still recruit your whole roster to make sure that they don't all hop into the portal. And so the fact that that was actually the relationship he highlighted in that soundbite instead of the portal guy was Mm -hmm. interesting to me and I think very important going forward. The position that it doesn't apply is quarterback. That's where it gets tricky. And we talked earlier in the show about Will Howard. He's the starter. That is known. Behind him, there's a lot going on. And we we did it in the real truth. Like, will all five of these guys be here in the fall? They really can't be, I don't think. I don't think there's any way. I don't think you do them all service by doing that. So they're all going to go to battle um, this spring. Um, the, the thing that I think most Buckeye fans will be fascinated beyond Howard and how good he is and the impact that he has is how those two five-star quarterbacks are going to do. Um, they brought in two. Uh, Air Noland was here. He was committed. Julian Sayan became available because of what happened at Alabama. Ryan Day, for the first time, talking about having them both and his early impressions. It used to be that when you came in at mid-year, it was a big, you know, a, a significant, um, you know, the fact that you're coming in at mid-year now, it's a little bit more normal. Guys are planning their, you know, sophomore, junior years around graduating at mid-year. And it allows everybody an opportunity as they come in at in the summer to not be a freshman anymore. So everything that's going on is new. And so, you know, they're going to have to embrace everything that's going on new. And um, I think that's that's hard. You know, you got you know, Julian is coming in from, from California. You have air coming in from Georgia. And when everything's new, there's just, there's an adjustment phase. And, and that's like that for every freshman. And so, you know, they're, every day that goes by, they're getting more and more comfortable here and, and getting their feet underneath them. They're going to have to learn the offense here and, and get going on the field. But, uh, but it's great when you have, like Lincoln didn't go through that last year. And we knew that, you know, Lincoln was a, a tremendous basketball player and a tremendous baseball player. And we sat down with the family and said, we're going to be a little bit behind here if we come in during the summer. And we knew that. So that was part of the agreement. But but we knew that he was going to be a little behind. Uh, I feel like with these guys coming in now, they'll be further ahead and be able to make more of an impact in the fall. I hate that. I hate that, like, that that you can't just play your senior season. I wish they unstable. I wish they'd change that. I wish Sankin Petiti would change that and just say no more early enrollee. We'll see I, you in the summer. Like, I wish they would get away with it. I hate the idea that like Lincoln Keenholz, who is like all state basketball, all state baseball, all everything in South Dakota. And there was like, I'm not saying Ohio state pressure, but they certainly made it known that if you do this in the summer, you're going to be behind. And they're like, yeah, we're good with that. We're cool. We get it. Um, but now it's in a, I just I think that sucks. And it I, was something that started 15 years ago. I wish they'd do away with it. Yeah, I've never in, in outside of sports you hear about it sometimes. I just don't understand the like getting through your school. Like the, we set up the schooling re, like with a reasonable yeah. time and like then it's time to go off and and start your own life whether or not that's college or getting a job or or whatever and like you don't need to end that early because there's just a lot of adulthood to to come your way after that. Yeah, it is. That you can't have five of them those two, and then I know they love Keenholz. I know they do. So I don't know what it looks like. I mean, he was put in an impossible position, and his lack of development to me does not fall at his feet, but it was glaring how ill-prepared he was to play in that game. Um, and then Devin Brown, you're going to have to have some guys move out. You just By the time you get to next year, you can't have five guys in that room. You can't have it from a, from a scholarship standpoint, let alone right. from a – roster retention or a um or a reps standpoint and their years don't even match up to like work it out in any way that way either no no it doesn't so uh there there will be some attrition there in a very very big way las vegas the sports capital of the world how did this happen and will college football ever dip their toe in it or college hoops we'll get to that coming up next bishop and friends right here on the fan
A lot has changed in 30 years, but we're still that old shoe that feels worn in and well-loved. And well, we smell a little, but whew, you've accepted that. The f- Our top men are working on everything except this show. This, this is Bishop and Friends. And we are sponsored by Awaken 180 Weight Loss, fast, sustainable weight loss without medications, a solution for weight loss, Awaken 180 Weight Loss. Saw this from On3, Luke Fickle intimating that uh, Mike Vrabel could be joining him, it seems like, in uh, Madison as a uh, perhaps an analyst this year. Uh, that would make a lot of sense. They were that was Luke's, Luke had one hire he could make um, after Tress, and he hired Vrabes the year that he was the interim head coach. That was the guy he hired. Does that mean we are a year away from somehow Alex Grinch getting a defensive coordinator job in the NFL? <laughs> Man, hey. is, he, is he there? Yeah, he's the safety's coach in Co-DC at, Wash- or at uh, Wisconsin, at Wisconsin now. huh? Well, they break the, get the band back together, I guess. That guy must be unbelievable in a room. But everybody must love him. They got to love him. Because I was reading the article today, he was like finally like officially, or no, he had a thing where he has like a chip on his shoulder, and it was talking okay. about how he grew in his first stop at like Washington State. He grew their defense and got them into like the teens in total defense, and mm-hmm. then they go, after one year in Ohio State, and that's all they mention about Ohio State, <laughs> then they mention about initially improving Oklahoma, but then falling back, and then it not being good at USC, and I'm like, yeah, it hasn't been good since really that first like rise he had at Washington State. I don't, I don't get it. Yeah, he's got, just got to be a charismatic dude. Yeah. He's got to be someone who gets in a room and is just has a lot of charisma and, and sells his vision. And, yeah, it's it's got to be the way it was. I remember when they hired him at, here, it was like a home run. It was like, we, like, got, oh, the, the we got the hot new guy. defensive coordinator. Yeah. This was the guy you had to get, and, and you'd got him. Um, so Rothman went to U2 last night. Is that what I'm led to believe, that he went to U2 Did at, he, the, at the sphere? He was talking about it in the weeks leading up to it a ton. So if he if he made it out there, that's great. It's not a cheap ticket. I think it's like like the nosebleeds are like at least $500, and then you're talking $1,000 But he looked like person. he was way up. I Way up. So, I mean, look, I, what I've heard about four the price sports talk cheap, radio yeah. show in the country. Like you can, <laughs> those are the type of things you can do. You can, you can sit four rows off and you can turn a, a little Super Bowl trip and a little bit of a vacation for yourself as well. Probably play a little shot. What's the, uh, what's the, pl- the golf course at the, at the win shadow mountain? Is that what it is? Is that what it's called? Yeah. It's the one that's right by the wind where they did the, like they did a, one of the, um, one of the COVID you versus me golf things they did there. There's a Win Golf Club. Yeah, but right there's there. there's one that I'm thinking of that's like the the one that's right behind it that that plays into that. So you play a little golf, go see you too, do a couple of programs. Uh that's that's a big win. Um it gets back to the question of Las Vegas. It's it's hard for me to articulate for a certain age group how impossible this all is. That Las Vegas is hosting Super Bowls, that Las Vegas is home to an NHL team to the Raiders, um, perhaps the A's, although it doesn't feel like they want them there with the uh, mayor saying, actually, no, just stay in Oakland, sort that out. We don't want you. Um, <laughs> this was a city that the only sport that happened here was boxing, heavyweight fights. That's what happened in Vegas. You'd go there, you'd have the heavyweight fights, you'd bet on it. And it, these, they were huge things. I've talked to Tim about this, Tim May, many times, like a heavyweight fight in Vegas, a big one. And, and he was at, a very big one uh, with Buster Douglas when he fought, I believe, Evander Holyfield that time. Um, those were incredible events. But for all, most of my lifetime, everybody else stayed away from Vegas. In fact, so much so 
that probably for a certain amount of time, probably a, a good part of 15 years or so, the most important sports entity in Las Vegas was the UNLV basketball program. They were like an NBA team in Las Vegas when Tark was there. They were perennially a top five team. They won a national championship, played for another one, um, got all the way to a final four rather before losing on it when they were undefeated that year. Um, but that was kind of the pro team of Vegas. And then everybody kind of came around and we've always were in this country. We were always so late to sports betting. Um, this is something that's part of the rest of the world sport. Betting goes hand in hand with the sport. Like you can bet in the, in the building walking in. I remember AR, AR and I doing a show like in probably 2011 or 12. And we said like the next step is going to be you go to your seat, you have a screen and you can bet live in the venue on what's going to happen next, the next play. Like, I do think they'll get there at some point. So, yeah, they want to get there. They've announced intentions to do stuff like that for sure. Yeah, we were talking about that a dozen years ago about like that, because what it comes down to is from a in the arena thing, you have to find a way to keep people coming. Um, now, this is a dalliance that you do with Vegas because while it is the perfect city to host a Super Bowl, dome, good weather, abundant entertainment and hotel rooms of a very, very high level. Like the media hotel, isn't it the, uh, it's Mandalay Bay. Yeah, right? it's the Mandalay. Okay. So like you're, you're not staying at, at a holiday Inn express like that's, and that's sometimes that's what a media hotel could be like at some of these super bowls. If you're not primary media and, and our guys are not primary media, right? We're not in Kansas city and we're not in San Francisco. So they're auxiliary media for sure. Uh, Rothman and I are and, and, but they're at Mandalay Bay because guess what? It's Vegas. They got great hotel rooms in spades. So it's perfect in every way, except for the other part of Vegas, which is Sin City. And I'm guessing that's what Goodell is just terrified of over the next 72 hours is let, let's just get to Sunday without incident. It's crazy that less than 10 years ago, Tony Romo had to spend two years figuring out where he could put his little fantasy football function convention it's because he originally wanted to do it in Vegas. They told him he couldn't do it in there. And then I was, I was just reading up on it as we were talking about this. He tried to put it in Pasadena, California because it wasn't too close to a casino, but apparently that didn't work. And he eventually did get it going because obviously it, you know, that was like the hypocrisy of like, well, yeah, but the NFL is involved in a lot of fantasy football stuff. Oh, yeah. By that point, that was 2015, 2016, 2017 type stuff right near the end of his, his Cowboys career there. And now they're holding a Super Bowl there. So yeah, that has changed. And what is going to be the next step for things they are going to host. They had the F1 race this year, but obviously that's not the American Sports League's bringing that in, but the A's are trying to go there. Um, so apparently the mayor doesn't want the A's to come there, but they're not in charge of the strip. The county is. Oh, okay. So the mayor doesn't yeah, it was, want it, but the county's still like, hey, yeah, come on, come on, come just along. Just an interesting caveat with the mayor saying that she's the one, only one. Oh, everybody else is worried. Everybody else is in on this. Like she's saying that she doesn't think it makes sense. But then everybody else is like, no, this this is gonna happen. Like the the idea that the A's after everything that's happened aren't gonna move to Vegas, I just it's laughable. Like yeah, they're guys, definitely not staying in Oakland. That was her suggestion. Hey, find out how yeah. to build something on the Figure bay. Figure it out on the yeah. waterfront. Okay. Do you remember the last two years? And obviously she's the 20. mayor of Vegas. She's not paying attention to any of this stuff. But she's right when it says it sounds great. They have this grand plan to be on the waterfront in California. I agree with that. Yeah. However, in reality, they gone. No, yeah, you, they've tried for two decades to build a new stadium. The Raiders tried to. No, they're just never going to happen um, in in that area. And then the other thing, the only thing missing right now then is the the NBA. 
And it's it's like known that Vegas and Seattle are getting the next two. And I don't and I there's always rumor that LeBron's gonna be part of that Vegas ownership. Um I don't know why that hasn't happened yet. Like to me, that should be should have been I don't know what's taking so long. The league has incredible depth of talent. Now now would be the time. The only it would obviously always be about money. And so I don't know if they're trying to get one more television rung in and then get those billion dollar fees for franchises for expansions. Maybe that's it. But they're going to be in Vegas and they're going to be in Seattle in the NBA. That's happening. Right now, the Big 12 has a pretty long-term deal to be in Kansas City for their men's basketball tournament. But with the Pac-12 disintegrating, because they were starting to hold Allegiant Stadium football championships, they've had their men's basketball tournament there since 2013. It's been that long. I I went back and looked into it. It was in the Staples Center in 2012. Your mark, if you really want to grow that, bring it to Vegas. Get it out of Kansas City. I bet we play a Big Ten championship game in Vegas. Somebody, oh, it's, it's free, coming. It's a college free agent right now because of the yeah. dissolving of the Pac-12. Yeah, it's there. I mean, you're going to play it at the Rose Bowl, too. They'll, I'm sure they'll do that, but I think you're going to play a Big Ten championship game in Vegas. You could see a stretch where Big Ten title tilts are all West Coast. Yeah. Like they do LA, they do SoFi, they do Rose Bowl, they do Allegiant. Yeah. Yeah, they do yeah. Washington. Like they give love to everybody. Or well, where else can you go in the a normal Big Ten footprint true. besides Indy and Minneapolis? Huh? Cleveland? If they build the dome. If they build the dome. They Doug put, they're putting the squeeze on it. <laughs> Doug Labor's coming up next. Fishman Friends right here on the fan. This Buckeye Football Impact Report is brought to you locally by Credit Union of Ohio and by Hyde Park Prime Steakhouse. On the fan, Ohio Sports Destination. Ohio State Football Impact Report. Now the National Letter of Intent signing day has come and gone, and it's not what it used to be. As past years showed in the month of February, bulk of the recruiting class coming in. Head coach Ryan Day of Ohio State mostly was asked at his first availability about the status of Bill O'Brien presently as the offensive coordinator. I really was looking for somebody who had great background in the NFL, you know, the SEC. He was a former head coach. He had been a head coach in, in the league, and the experience um, of developing quarterbacks was there. And while O'Brien is still currently employed by the Buckeyes, he is a candidate for the head coaching position that is open at Boston College. The signing day period ended with the last commitment from Ohio State coming from defensive lineman Dominic Kirks, a Cleveland native from Riverside High School. This report brought to you by Safe Light Auto Glass. This is Paul Keels, and you're listening to the Ohio State Sports Network from Learfield. Hi, this is Paul Keels. This Buckeye season, don't let a broken windshield ruin your game plan. SafeLight Auto Glass makes it easy to get your windshield fixed with their mobile glass shops all over Central Ohio. They can come to you anywhere, giving Buckeye fans more time for game time. OH? Man, I love that. Schedule at SafeLight.com. SafeLight Auto Glass is a proud sponsor of Ohio State Athletics. Libman makes a difference. The Libman Mock Crew is a part of our winning team. The Libman Mock Crew makes sure the hardwood is safe and clean for the players every game at the Schottenstein Center. No matter what kind of flooring you have at your home court, Libman has the tools to keep it clean. Our mops, brooms, and brushes are proudly family-made in the USA. Visit Libman.com to see our whole lineup and for a store locator. That's Libman.com. Libman, proud sponsor of Ohio State Athletics. 
Is it time to upgrade your financial situation? Whether you're shooting for financial goals or making a fast break towards savings, Credit Union of Ohio is on your team. If you live in Central or Northeast Ohio, you could score big with affordable loans and competitive savings. Enjoy Credit Union of Ohio's fast and easy online application process and make a slam dunk when it comes to your financial needs. Start winning at cuofohio.org. That's cuofohio.org. Federally insured by NCUA. For more than 35 years, Hyde Park Prime Steakhouse has been known by Buckeye Nation as serving the best steaks in the city. Our thick-cut, aged steaks have been a staple in Columbus with three locations in Upper Arlington, Dublin, and downtown. Hyde Park is proud to introduce our newly added wine room at the downtown Columbus location, where a new elegance in dining will surround you. And coupled with live entertainment every weekend, Hyde Park will be the perfect setting for any occasion or the perfect night out. Hyde Park is a proud sponsor of Ohio State Athletics. Go Bucks! Producers, co-hosts, friends, some of those things are true. You're listening to Bishop and Friends. Hey, let's head on to the Brian Heating Cooling Systems Fan Guest Hotline. Conversate the great friend of the program, one of the smartest guys around the podcast, Kings of Columbus. He is Doug Maurice joining us there. There's a lot of time for Ryan Day yesterday, buddy. He about an hour, yeah. then he did his own show. Like, there was a lot yes, to sir. get to. Um, what were you, we, we kind of went through over the course of the show today, like we had like the Mount Rushmore of things we were most interested to hear him say, um, as you, as you were walking in there, what were the things that were most interesting to you to hear him say? I'm just fascinated continually by his decision around giving up play calling and the thought process behind that. And the decision, you know, it's a lot of the same stuff he said a year ago than when he didn't give it up. But I like when he says, I don't want to give it up. Mm-hmm. but I'm going to because it's the best thing for the team. Like, I love people in charge doing things they don't want to do for the good of the group. And then when he says, I also might be the special teams coach, I'm like, this is this is it, man. You know, like, I just think that possibility, we've seen head coaches, you know, do that. Urban Meyer, Greg Schiano, like John Harbaugh, there's a lot of head coaches. You get your hands on everybody, young players, offense, defense. I love mm-hmm. a head coach being involved with special teams. And, and one of the first interviews I did with Ryan Day, it's about he's a guy who doodles plays on napkins. That's who mm-hmm. he is naturally. He loves that part of it. But in this day and age, he knows that's not the best thing for Ohio State football. So I'm not caught up in whether Bill O'Brien leaves or not because, to me, it's about his decision to hire somebody experienced and good. If it's O'Brien staying, great. If it's not, it'll be somebody else. But the big deal is Ryan Day giving up play calling to me. Yeah, that that next step of it with the Bill O'Brien part of it though is because it's a very specific person that I I don't know if you feel this way I I really believe is a very specific type of person that he would give that up for um, I think it was headed this way but in terms of being it because you have to have trust right you have to say oh this guy knows what he's doing I I can trust him to this the other part of this is just the reality of Brian Hartline previously held this position and if you bring in somebody to call plays who's a contemporary of Hartline's or younger that's a tough thing all the way around but you go O'Brien you go Chip Kelly now all of a sudden you go okay well this is an easier sell for everybody to understand you're bringing in somebody like that so if O'Brien does leave do you not think that it has to be somebody of that same and similar ilk, right? It has to be. I think it has to be somebody who's done it before, right? So, I mean, the thing with Hartline is he's never done it. And it's just yeah. a hard thing to learn on the job at a place like Ohio State. So I think even if it's somebody who hasn't been a head coach, who hasn't been in the NFL, if it's someone who's called plays for a long time at the college football level, I, 
I actually think I probably am not there. I think there's a lot of guys that you could get who I've done it. I know what it's like. I know what it's like to be standing on the sideline on third and six. I know what it's like to lead the discussion on Wednesday and run through all of our red zone plays. And, and, and it's just, it's hard to do that here for the first time. So O'Brien fits it well. Chip Kelly would fit it well, but I think he could find somebody else. You know, like there's a, there's guys out there still. The NFL has kind of gone through their coordinator process. There's some guys who, who've done it, who don't have jobs right now. I, I think they could get somebody. I really do. I do think it's somebody who has to have a connective tissue with him, though. Um, and O'Brien, um, from the standpoint of, of Belichick and Saban, that validates all of that. But uh, yeah. Chip, obviously, the, I mean, Chip found out UCLA was in the Big Ten while playing golf with Ryan Day at his outing. So, like, there, there would be a that would be a, a no brainer. And I think one thing that that was abundantly clear when he said he didn't really want to give it up is that in order to give something up so precious to him, he would have to have full trust. And I think that's the thing that he will kind of look forward to there. What did you make of his, of the conversation around the five quarterbacks? And you say things publicly, but at the same time, you're trying to read between the lines on, on how this is really going to go. Um, how do you sense they handle this in the spring? And I see no scenario where all five are here in the fall, but how, how do you think he's going to handle this? And do you think they're capable of handling this without this turning into a mess over the next month? Yeah, I mean, they, he, he did get a question like, man, five, what are you going to do with five? Isn't five too many? And the answer kind of is, you understand the fifth was Julian saying the number one quarterback recruit <laughs> in the country. What do you want me to like? Uh, it, and I'm, I'm not just bringing in guy number five who was standing behind a door like this is we had a chance out of nowhere to get the best guy around. So, yeah, five's a lot. I certainly I am operating under the assumption that Will Howard starting quarterback, Same. even though Ryan Day said it's going to be a competition. And then I am operating under the assumption that the winner of the air Nolan Julian Sayan duel as true freshman in 2024 will be the starter in 2025. So I'll operate under that assumption until it's proven wrong, which means that puts the squeeze on Devin Brown and Lincoln Keenholt. So they have decisions to make, but while it's just a very different spot for them, because Ryan Day always loves talking about having a second year starter, right? Yeah. He didn't get a second year with Dwayne Haskins. He was so excited to get it with Justin Fields, so excited to get it with CJ Stroud. He knows he's not going to have that with Will Howard. So yeah. there are two paths this year. That room, man, you're trying to win a national championship with Will Howard, but you've got to get the 2025 guy ready. And I'm just assuming it's going to be one of the five-star freshmen who steps up in year two. And then that's tough for the other guys in between. You and I have a similar view on how that will play out and how that will be handled. And I'm going to handle yeah. it the same way. Like, I'm not going to do this nonsense of a quarterback competition. You don't bring a guy here like Howard to have him compete. Like, he needs to he needs to be all the way ready to, to drive the football Ferrari, as it were. Um, we had uh, Paul Feinbaum on about an hour ago. He had Greg Sankey on yesterday, and uh, Sankey was talking about the don't call it an alliance partnership with the Big Ten and Tony Petiti, and their familiarity with each other certainly helped. Um, when you think about the most important thing that can come from that, what is that answer for you? Probably bullying everybody else, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's there's some of this that is just like um, it's a lot of and, and so much of this is public posturing, and we're going to do something to threaten you to make sure that that something falls in line before we really have to have a fight about it. So, like they're having fights about are there still going to be six automatic bids for the playoff? There's not going to be the Pac-12 has no power on that. Like that's ridiculous. There's there's fights about. You know, other things that I think that the Big Ten and the SEC 
are saying like, we'll take it if we have to, but like, you know, also maybe everybody can like realize what the real deal is here. So, you know, I, I think there's a lot of stuff that I don't get caught up in the nitty gritty details as it's happening because we all know where it's heading. Do we not? We all know that it is a heading toward direct player compensation in some way. So I'm not spending a ton of time on whether Dartmouth basketball players are employees or not. We know where that's heading, however it gets there. And we know we're heading to like a big time football thing that kind of is going to be divided North South. And maybe, you know, I don't know exactly what happens to the big 12 and ACC teams, but like, don't we know it? So sometimes the details of like every little step that you take, it's like, okay, whatever. I kind of figure we all know where we're going to be in five years. And that's going to be posturing. It's going to be bullying. It's going to be compromise at times. But I think it's also just about getting the AC, the teams in the ACC and the Big 12 who really want to play at the highest level, getting them to realize, like, this is where we're headed. This is your chance to get on board. Yeah, when I was listening to Sankey uh, yesterday on on Paul's show, the thing that jumped out to me, and everyone, and Bjork said this too, like, we're not trying to circumvent the NCAA. No, what you're trying to do is you're trying to bend them to your will is what you're yeah. trying to do. And you don't want to rewrite a record book because you don't want to pay the lawyers or a, a, a rule book. You don't want to pay the lawyers to go through the bureaucracy of that. So what you want is essentially something that, and I know he probably said it to you because he said it to anybody who would listen over a decade ago, Gordon Gee, when he was a president here, would talk about a super conference, anybody who would give him the time of day. That's where you're headed. It's just a question of how quickly can you get there. Um, so when they say we don't want to circumvent the NCAA, no, but we need to convince, we need to create something that is for us as opposed to worrying about all these little guys. That's, to me, the direct translation of what's going on now. And listen, the NCAA is is a logistical operation. Like, they run the championships for every sport except football. So, like, I think the NCAA can serve a purpose. That it's like, you know, know, the football powers make the decisions about who's going to be involved and what it's going to look like, but then they tell the NCAA, we don't really want to be in charge of, like, making sure the concessions are there and like, who's going to mm-hmm. clean the bathrooms, you know, like the NCAA can be in charge of that, but it's a, it's a wing. It's not a power brokering operation. So like we're getting there. And like, of course the big 10 and the sec are going to run the show and they can be right. I mean, you keep your oh, yeah. friends close and your enemies closer. Like, this is great. This is how it should be. It's North South. It's all the real power. And it's just the way of the world, man. And, and we know what it's going to look like. Basically, we know what it's going to look like in the end. It actually inspired me to rewatch some of Ken Burns' Civil War doc, Doug. So it, it did that for me as well, which I enjoy a great Kings deal. Kings of the so, North, man. Kings of the North. Everybody where, come watch and come listen. North and half, man. We know it's splitting. It's, it's splitting split. north-south. Yeah. Yeah. So come on board. But there will be an Appomattox, too, my friend. If you f- f- Eventually, there will be an Appomattox where they're all going to row in the same direction, at least outwardly. Good talking to you yeah. as always, buddy. Thanks, man. Talk to you soon. All right. A little bit of uh, three things on a Thursday up next. Bishop and Friends are here on The Fan. We have so many local shows, I can't fit them in a 10-second promo. So let's just say we're live and local all damn day. The The uncle you never knew you had. The friends you kind of wish you didn't. This is Bishop and Friends. Hi, Reese. What do we have on the poll? Daily Fan Poll sponsored by ER Auto Care, Masters of Our Craft. Today's fan poll asks, how much money will you bet on the Super Bowl? None, $1 to $25, 26 to $49, or more than $50. Right now, none is leading the way with 63% of the vote. 
One to twenty-five dollars getting twenty percent. Fifty plus is getting eleven, and twenty-six to forty-nine dollars five percent. One hundred million dollars. <laughs> just reinvesting all your winnings from all getting so many NFL games right this year. Just, just going all back in, baby. All little, little double down on all of it. Um, all right, let's do three things. One. Two, one, two, three things. Sponsored by Custom Air. Custom Air. Custom Solutions. Custom Comfort. Number one for me, I don't know how um, how I missed this yesterday, and I feel badly that I did. Uh, great dude, great friend, g- great ambassador for the city, one of the hardest working guys ever, Clay Hall, stepping down uh, at Channel 6. Clay is somebody that when I saw him in a press box, I could not wait to have a conversation with him. Uh, 29 years in the market, and certainly competitors at times, and during the time when I was at Channel 10, and and obviously work at different operations, but always just revered his work ethic, the stuff that he did. Uh, 29 years is a long time for anybody, and so uh, congratulations on your retirement, my friend. First one for me, I was talking about the the burger that I, I can't find again with the jalapenos and the peanut butter earlier this week. Well, luckily, a listener, Alex, he sent me in one down in the Oregon district, uh, and he, it's called the Cobra. So it's slathered in Thai-style marinade with peanut butter, fresh cilantro, cucumbers, pickled carrots, jalapenos, and sriracha sauce. So a little spicier Sheesh. than just the jalapenos. But next time I'm down in uh, the DYT, I'm going to have to hit that up. Also, EPND, Alex let me know. He's the same class as B. And Michael Bennett here, so awesome. Oh boy. Speaking of spicy, here's former Ohio State offensive coordinator and current Tulsa head coach Kevin Wilson sharing a text message conversation he had with a potential recruit about name, image, and likeness. So here's a great text message right here. Typical in first questions is what do you get? I go, you'll get nothing like it. That's what they said, and that's what they told Spalding, right? From a guy saying, hey, co- hey coach, just asking, um, um, you know, about money. I'm not a money hungry person. Don't need a ton of money. Uh, but this is a transfer. I've been getting about six to seven K a month. I got three dogs and a girlfriend. So what do you think I'll get there? And I said, the first thing you need to do is drop the dogs. And I'm not sure about the girl. <laughs> I go, I go, we'll explain our incentive based plan that we use is based on academic success, not allocating any, any NIL funds. We're starting at now. We'll have a clear direction if and when we get anything. But I have not and will not promise anything until I know for sure what I got. I'll discuss you on a visit, how we do our academic base plan. Pretty candid. First of all, like a kid transferred to Tulsa is making 7 k a month for his girlfriend and his dogs. Sheesh. Three dogs. Three dogs. Yeah. College kids should probably not have any dogs. I wonder no. I wonder if lower level players who aren't going into the professional ranks realize how nice they might have it right now. And uh, you're not going to be making six to seven thousand dollars a month, most likely when you graduate. Just walking out the door. Uh num- number two for me, it's I think it's just the inclement weather, which is fantastic, like the fact that it's 60s, uh, just a non-traditional what we normally get in February. But in the last 24 hours, I have seen two coyotes, and this morning when I walked Buddy Garrity, very thick skunk smell. Like oh, no. That's usually later. So they're even confused by what's going on with the weather. 60 degrees today, my God. Well, like, am I going to have to cut my lawn in February? <laughs> like, is it going to wake up and start growing? It's, it's in the cards. This one is, I'm not one who's going to just sit there and just 
lament on all oh, the Swifties and blah, blah, blah. And you know what? If they like something great. But this one, I think, was a bridge too far. So it was a tweet from somebody with an heiress tour, Twitter, whatever. And it said, the clock on Taylor Swift's necklace at tonight's Grammy, so it was from Sunday, is functional and has changed times. So they had pictures from the red carpet where the time on the necklace was different. Yeah, it's a watch. They just made it long enough to be a necklace. And I looked it up. Watches have existed since they've been credited to be invented in the 16th century. <laughs> so unless it's great satire... Come on. We can't just be impressed by just normal pieces of wearable jewelry. It also looks like the blog got it right. We talked uh, earlier in the show about uh, Northeast Ohio transformation with their uh, scoop about 176 acres near Cleveland's airport being purchased by the Cleveland Browns. Browns with a statement. We understand the magnitude of opportunity with a stadium project intent on driving more large-scale events to our region and are methodically looking at every possibility. That sounds like dome. It has to be. Sounds they're like already bringing this, what they're like, doing. They're already bringing like, the summer concerts. What else could you bring unless it's covered and can be used all the time? Yeah, and that's that's number three for me. I was headed this direction anyway. Like if you are an owner of a major. You're an owner of an NFL team, and you're not building a dome now. It's just a waste of money. It's the biggest waste of money of all time. And I'd say that about what's going on in Buffalo. Like, if you can't make it more, if you're going to spend multiple billions of dollars, it can't be just used ten times a year. Last one for me. I don't know if you guys noticed this, but Microsoft Office had an update, and they just changed the de- the default font to something called Aptos Body. I'm old enough to remember when Times New Roman 12-point font was in it, but mm-hmm. I've I've come to be okay with Calibri body and 11-point font, fine, but I just don't understand why things have to change when they're wholly unnecessary. Companies just feel like, ah, we'll just make this update. No, make the updates that make functionality better, but I don't need to now look at a different font all the time. Uh, those looking for Ohio State, Minnesota tonight at 9 o'clock. It's just on Peacock. But Maddie Andrews will have your coverage at 845 over on 1460 ESPN. Going All for right. nine in a row, the Lady Basketball Buckeyes. Yeah, are. they're killing it. Uh, Roth and Ice coming up next from Sin City. We're back tomorrow. Bishman Friends right here on The Fan. During this 10-second promo, Rothman will lose money gambling on something. People like you come here and blow the family nest egg that built this town. Rothman and Ice. Weekdays from noon to 3. The Fan. This is a fan action update. This action update is brought to you by ESPN Bet. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. The current odds from ESPN Bet to win the college football national championship next season have Georgia the favorite at plus 360. Ohio State right behind them at plus 425. Texas comes in at 8-1. to Then it's Alabama and new Big Ten member Oregon at 12-1. to You can find Michigan 16-1, to Notre Dame 25-1, to Penn State 30-1. to For your ESPN Bet action update, I'm Scotty Vegas. Broadcasting from the Lindsay Honda Studios. Honda makes the cars. Lindsay makes the difference. Visit lindsayhonda.com. WBNSFM HD1 Columbus. The Fan. Good afternoon. I'm pretty well. Starting with the NBA, the Cavaliers won again last night. They beat the Wizards in D.C. 114-106. Donovan Mitchell scored 40 in the win. It's his 18th 40-point game since joining the Cavs last season. 
Cleveland has won 15 of the last 16 games. They're in action again tonight. They'll face the Nets in Brooklyn. The NBA trade deadline is today at 3 p.m. A couple of moves to make note of so far. The 76ers have acquired Buddy Heal from Indiana, and the Thunder have acquired Gordon Hayward from the Hornets. We'll keep an eye on that as the afternoon continues. And in women's college hoops tonight, fifth-ranked Ohio State is on the road for a matchup against Minnesota. The Buckeyes enter tonight's game 19-3 and on the season and 10-1 and in Big Ten play. The Golden Gophers are 14-8 and overall and 4-7 and in league play. Matt Andrews has the call on 1460 ESPN starting at 845. This one's brought to you by Dr. Mark Levy. If you are snoring and not sleeping, give Mark Levy a call at 1-800-MORE-SLEEP or visit him online at sleepbeddacolumbus.com.